Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. Hey, happy holidays. Welcome to the Wise Guys. It's Tuesday night, the most glorious night of the week. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler. What a show we have tonight. Oh, yeah. Loaded, loaded, loaded. And by the way, I wore my white shirt. You know how Kevin Eubanks wears his white coat? Yeah, for his snow coat. Yeah, so I was like, "Get well, ah, what t-shirt should I throw on? I'm like, you know what? I'm wearing my white shirt. It's a blizzard outside. To let everybody know that I'm forecasting more snow tonight. <laughs> well, so, going way out on a limb. Yeah, it's not tough to forecast that. Right? Yeah, we've got uh, we've got it. Thank goodness BYU has an indoor practice facility because yeah, if but, not, back in the old days, back when you were playing, you might be a little bit out in the snow and yeah, half inside the field house. We'd go into the field house, but it's so small you really couldn't run anything full go. So it's, I'm going to... Bless I'm you. Sneeze. I like thinking about practicing in that old Smithfield house <laughs> made me sneeze. It irritated my nose. There's so much going on. Let's jump right into it. It's Bowl Week. BYU and SMU play Saturday night in the New Mexico Bowl in Albuquerque. We'll have the forecast for you in just a minute, but it's not going to snow. No, and it'll, it'll be just fine. Um, Heisman Trophy winner Ty Detmer joins us live to talk about that game uh, in our first annual. He's going to join in our first annual Wise Guys bowl contest that's right it's gonna be fun we'll hold him uh, and we're gonna hold him to it yeah oh yeah we're gonna test his test his knowledge byu associate athletic director of marketing david almadova is going to join us Uh, of course the game in albuquerque the official party heads down there tomorrow bowl activities and we're going to look ahead to the big 12 and marketing and what that means for him as we move forward um and big 12 schedule release uh probably not what's up with that (laughs) something's going i saw a report that indicated Texas and Oklahoma were trying to still leave early, uh, but not next year, but in time for 24 when USC hops into the Big Ten. But um, for whatever reason, there's a hang-up. And we were talking to Brian Santiago, Associate Athletic Director. We go, right. hey, what's, what's the deal? And he goes, well, we've seen it, right? We know who's coming. We know who's going. Uh, but there is a hang-up, and we don't know what it is. And that's right. why and we haven't got it. And he said he doesn't know, and he said, and Tom Homo doesn't know. Because Tom had told told you and told us that um, I've seen the teams, I've seen right. the home games and the away games, but haven't seen the schedule yet, hasn't been laid out yet. Um, and so uh, we'll find out, but they don't know. They don't know. BYU um, basketball stuns number 21 Creighton. They're getting ready to host Western Oregon, which we'll call on BYU TV Thursday night. And Utah on Saturday. And longtime radio analyst Mark Durant is going to be with us here in just a few minutes. Just walked in. He'll assess the Cougars a year away from their debut in the toughest basketball conference in America. And he'll let us know what our chances are of uh, beating the U.S. Did you just dump all your water on the script tonight? No problem. I've got no problem with this. But uh, if somebody can grab me a paper towel, that would be Jack, good. Can we Jack. get a paper towel? We got so we had a, a live hey, bottled water situation. This is no. This is what happens in live live television. I just want to make sure that they're not all stuck together. Look, and the, on that, the podcast, if you're trying to envision it, Blaine had all these notes, and then yeah. now they're covered in water. So, but no worry. See, Jack is coming 
to the rescue. Thank you, Jack. He knows Jack. how to solve this type of a problem. While we're doing that, we want to remind you, Thanks, follow Jack. us on YouTube. Uh, we'll put the link in our chat, and please hit the subscribe button. It's free. Click on the bell. You'll get notifications whenever we post something new or go live. Uh, the more subscribers we get, the longer we're going to do this show. That's why we bring on people like Mark Durant right. and, and Ty Detmer. Follow us on Twitch to make your free account. Click on the chat button in the lower right portion of the screen. Sign up for free and follow us, and then follow us at ysguys.com. Subscribe to our weekly email with highlights from the show all free. That's our favorite price. We've researched it, and that's everyone's favorite price. Yep. If it's free, it's for me, and I'll take three. That's our motto. <laughs> that, that I've told you before, I got that motto from, from Vice Sikahema. I mean, Elder Sikahema. That's yeah. what he used to tell me. If it's free, I'll take three, and it's for me. Hey, top of so. the headlines today, our friend and BYU alum, current Mississippi State football coach Mike Lee passed away. On Monday night, after suffering a major heart attack on Sunday, 61 years old is all our thoughts and prayers go out to his wife, Sharon, and children, Janine, Kim, Cody, Kirsten, their spouses, and Leach's three grandchildren. A guy who never played football but studied Lavelle Edwards while attending BYU, then went out and changed the game with his air raid offense. Yeah, he, Mike was um, part of the program as a volunteer assistant when I was playing as a quarterback, and, and uh, he, was, he was hilarious back then. He's one of the smartest people I have ever met in my life back then. Um, you know, went on yeah. to get a law degree um, and then decided he wanted to coach football um, and started out in high school ranks and worked his way up uh, uh, through and just just an unbelievable wit and one of the best football minds I've ever seen. One of the best that's ever been in the game. And what, what a shame because he's far, far too young and uh, – and college football is absolutely going to miss Mike Leach because oh, yeah. he's one of the most flamboyant personalities in the game. He's part of the fabric of college football. It's a shame. Bulldogs are going to go play their bowl game on January 2nd in his honor. They play Illinois in the ReliQuest Bowl, so they're going to deal with it that way. We interacted with him on the sideline. I remember when Washington State came here in 2012, and we're calling that game, so we went down to visit with him. You know, a lot of coaches are uptight before the game, and they don't like you to approach him. Kalani's not one of them, uh, and Mike Leach is not one of them. Uh, and we went up and said hello, and he knew us from BYU TV because it's on in his home because he's got uh, alums and BYU fans in the, in the Leach household. And, and uh, so he starts talking to us about um, – not about the game – he started talking about his student job. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, that was so. Like, he goes, you know what I did when I was a student? Yeah, he told us, you know, I used to um, move the dinosaur bones. <laughs> this is what he was telling us. My job was I take the dinosaur bones um, from the dinosaur museum across the street where they would store them when they weren't on display right. in a room up inside of, at that time, Cougar Stadium, yeah. now Lavelle Edwards Stadium, and that was his job. He was the dinosaur bone-moving guy. <laughs> and he told us he knew where the bones were buried. Yeah, he took I, great I, pride I in that. I know that. where those were buried. It's, 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 uh, I had a game of his down when he was down in Texas, and um, that's when he kind of got onto the pirate thing. Yeah. And um, so I went in to meet with him. Uh, I, I, I kind of arranged to go see him a little early, a couple of BYU guys, right? He's like, oh, yeah, Blaine, come by, come by. That'd be great. So I go into his office, and everything is pirate, everything. Like, ships in a bottle, pirate poster, like, pirate everything. And I said, hey, Mike, what's, what's all the pirate stuff? And he goes, oh, 
I am so into pirates right now. <laughs> I said, yeah, evidently. And he goes, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, I have studied them. I've studied their monetary system. I've stu- Like, when he would get into something, he was so intellectual, he would go deep, deep, deep. And he knew yeah. everything there was to know about pirates, from their social interactions to their monetary system to how they did everything. And we didn't even talk about the football game that I was going to broadcast. He told me all about pirate culture. I learned more about pirates sitting with Mike that day than anyone should ever know about pirates. But that's that's how Mike was. And, and I'll just never forget when he started to say, you know what, I'm going to treat every question with the media like it's not a dumb answer. I'm mm. going to treat it with seriousness. I'm going to give it consideration. I'm going to answer it. Some of the funniest <laughs> answers I've ever seen. And people would start to come up with just ridiculous questions because they knew he wouldn't say that's a stupid question. Like, and my, I think my favorite is when they asked him about Bigfoot. Like, Bigfoot, right. Mike, Bigfoot, yes or no? And he's just like went on and on and on. And I think Mike's thing was Bigfoot does not yeah. exist or there would be more evidence. But he, right. you know, he, he defended that. <laughs> that. So I, we're going we're gonna to miss Mike Leach. How um, about his coaching tree? Oh, yeah, my goodness. Just, yeah. just a few of the names. Lincoln Riley uh, played for him, coached with him, at, now at USC. Dave Aranda, Baylor, Sonny Dykes at TCU. Dana Holgerson at Houston, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, who played for him, now the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, and a lot more. And we're going to see a remnant of the air raid on Saturday. That's right. Sonny Dykes was at TC, uh, at SMU before the current coach, and that's what they run. Yeah, they, they spread the ball out and throw it. And, and it's interesting because Lavelle Edwards, along with Bill Walsh at the time, ushered in this era of what – what we then called the West Coast offense was a control passing game. It was the first time anybody thought, first of all, to have the passing game be your primary weapon. None of this, hey, you got to establish the run. It's like, you know what, we'll think about running it later. We're going to pass we're gonna pass it. And it was the first time that anybody said, let's get four and five receivers into the route. Like, now we ran it with two backs and a tight end, but our backs would check protection, and if their guy didn't come, they were out in the route. And we had lots of five-man routes. Yeah. And, and you would... Um, Take what the defense gives, read the defense, and get the ball out and distribute the ball. And seven, eight, nine receivers would catch the ball in a game, and it was unstoppable. And Mike took that, and from that, you know, he just continued to morph into air raid, which instead of being a tight end, two wide receivers and two backs, became four wide receivers and a single back or five wide receivers. Spread the ball out. Get your best guy uh, a great matchup and take advantage of those one-on-one matchups and just kill people with a pass. I asked him one time when he was at Washington State, I was like, you know, people always talk about establishing the run. Like, and teams say, well, the first thing we're going to do is take the run away. Um, what do you say? And he goes, yeah, I don't even care if we run it. Right. I don't even care. Well, we'll just throw it. If we can't run it, we'll throw it 60 times. And teams care. had to change the way they play defense yeah. to deal with it. Yeah. And they weren't equipped with it for a while, and that's why it had success early on. And now every team in the Big 12 runs that yeah. off. And you know what? There's, there's even um, there's some remnants of Mike Leach ideas in Kansas City Chiefs offense. Um, with Andy Reid there, uh, where, where they've taken some some of the things that he's done there. he's He revolutionized football. He took it from Lavelle Edwards, who really is the father of the modern pass, um, and ran with it. And, and, I, and I love that. So their roots will always go back together, Lavelle yeah. Edwards and, and Mike Leach. And he will have forever left a mark on the game and will ever, forever have left a mark on all of us with his... His fun, loving personality, and he's just—he's just a great person to be around. We'll have a reaction from Mark Durant and Ty Detmer on the great Mike Leach coming up in tonight's show. The Big Twelve schedules, as we mentioned a moment ago, it's still uh, 
uh, in someone's desk drawer. So nothing yet. Maybe next week we'll roll that out. We look forward to it. Before that, and it could come tomorrow. It could yeah. come tomorrow yeah. or the next day. But we do know that the 40th bowl game in school history for BYU is Saturday against SMU at University Stadium in Albuquerque. That's home of the New Mexico Lobos. And we'll be busy with two hours of coverage. That's right. Um, Sports Nation game day starts um, uh, at 5.30 Eastern, 3.30 Mountain on BYU TV. Uh, the Cougars and Mustangs will play at 7.30 Eastern, 5.30 Mountain on ABC. National game on, on ABC. Prime time. Yep, the big dog. Uh, with live post-game show back on BYU TV. As soon as that game's over, come back to us and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll analyze all of what went on. Um, I, interestingly, um, this is the 40th bowl game for BYU yeah. against SMU. Their first bowl win came against SMU and so we got that going the, for yeah, us in the miracle bowl yeah. miracle bowl what a so. game that was cougars are going to run out onto the field with their royal helmets and the white jerseys white pants with the royal trim i think that's it's an awesome it's a clean look, look and i like that look great. and haven't they won a lot in that combo it feels like it yeah, okay. feels like the, the black unis they're not coming out in they should not we, they we should never take the black unis we're out winless again in that. unless we're playing like utah tech or something yeah, like then that yeah i think you're going to be okay sunny and clears the forecast for albuquerque on Saturday, a high of 41, which would be right around kickoff time. Right. Low of 20 uh, in the overnight hours, so yeah, it might won't, get chilly won't, in second won't get half. that low during the game. But Maybe. there's a key stat that jumps off the page. Yeah, BYU averages 31.9 points and allows 30. SMU averages 38.4 points, and they allow 34.6. What, what we're saying is, with those stats, this thing could be up and down the field all over the place and really fun. Yeah. Um, a really great offensive game, and so if you like offensive football, th- this could, you know what this might be a preview of what it's like to play in the Big Twelve next year. Yeah, it could be because all of those pillars that we're used to, I've told a bunch of people this, like, wow, now that we got Jay Hill and Kelly Papinga, we're going to hold teams down, and you know we're going to be great in scoring defense. I'm like, oh guys, we're going to the Big Twelve. The the pillar, it's not 24 points like the old days. If you can hold teams to 35. You should win because you need to go out, score them, and score 40 yeah, or 38. For sure. So it's a, it's a whole different deal. This is a preview to that. I feel like this is that kind of game. Two teams will throw it all over the place and wide open offense, and they're hard to stop. You need to get a couple of stops a half. Whichever team whichever team plays just a little yep. bit of defense. A couple of stops a half and win. The That's big factor could be uh, with Tanner Mordecai, the Oklahoma transfer, he's thrown for over 3,300 yards and 31 touchdowns. Jaron Hall's questionable. We don't know if he's going to play or not. Um we saw him, the last time we saw him on a field uh, was uh, with a sprained ankle against Stanford. Right. Um, he's thrown for 3,100 yards and 31 touchdowns. His backup, Cade Finnegan, who we do know, as Kalani has said uh, in his media avails, that uh, he's quarterbacking in practice, mm-hmm. uh, he hasn't taken a single snap in a game in 25 months. And, so you got be, and Mordecai that, and you got Finnegan at yeah. a long time and in between. That, Cade... Cade was a phenomenal high school player down in yeah. Texas, had offer from USC, decided to go to Boise State. But, man, that's a long time. Yeah, but he sat out two years on a mission before he went and did that. So and to add came, two more, then, then he came 24 back more months. And he played in a few games for Boise State as a true freshman, and then he transferred down, and now it's been 25 months. So, so what you're telling me, if I'm doing the math right, is at least 49 months, with the exception of playing in the BYU game and a, a couple a of series games. the yeah, next week. Yeah, yeah, so that's it, a couple of games. So he's fresh, that's what you're saying. That, yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> he's fresh and he's he's healthy yeah, and he's fresh. He's out, he, you know he had an ankle issue. We'd have seen him in October. Yeah, but that's all that's all behind him. But 
Yeah, but, he's, um, he's gonna be. He's what a, fresh. What a moment. That brings a song. Ain't nobody dope as him. Hey, look. With he's the, just so fresh and With clean. the future moving forward, we don't know if Hall's coming back. We do know he's thinking about it, but if he, we don't know if he's coming back. Uh, for Fennigan, it's a moment to show some gusto. Yeah, this is... And then see what happens down the road. It, it really... Like, so if Hall plays, great, because he knows this offense. And you know what? He could play. He doesn't need to have much practice. He knows this offense so well, and he doesn't have to be full speed. We saw him play not hobbled, but with a sore shoulder for four games. He knows this offense well enough. You can plug him in. If he can practice a day at the end of the week um, and execute this offense, he knows it. Right? Yeah, but you know but, what? It didn't but, work against Notre Dame. No, it, well, SMU's not Notre Dame on defense. That's the difference. And But my feeling on, on Cade Finnegan is this is the opportunity you've waited your whole life for. Right. Now, and, and here's the – do you remember um, – Gosh, I'm I'm trying to remember which bowl game it was in San Diego, um, where where Riley Nelson couldn't play. Uh, well, he and Tanner and then, were San Diego and State, fi- and finally James Lark got you. Was it San Diego? Was it down there when James Lark finally got to play? Or was that a New Mexico bowl? No, Heaps played in the New Mexico bowl. When, when, when did when did James Lark finally get to play? I don't know. I know we weren't great. So so. Somebody, it might have some, been that somebody that's out there. If you can remind us when when James Lark, came it might have been the, the poinsettia bowl. Hit, hit us up on the chat and and remind us. But 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 here's the thing I remember about that: James Lark had sat around for years, and we're like, oh, well, that's it's too bad. I guess he he can't play. He balled out in that game, and the shame of that was that he didn't have any eligibility left. That was his last year. Had that happened when he was Kate Fennigan's age? I, I think he may have gotten himself some playing time over the next couple of years. Yeah, maybe. It wasn't the poinsettia bowl. Yeah. I know that because we needed Kyle Van Noy to save one of them. And then remember Tanner Mangum, you know, downpour beat Wyoming in the yeah. other one. We'll have yeah. to see. Uh, let's listen to Kalani Sitaki as he's kicked off bowl week. Here's what he had to say. And Mark Durant will join us right after that. Uh, game week. Really excited. Um, Obviously, our, our players are still going through finals, and, and uh, they'll be taking some finals as we get out to Albuquerque and um, get ready for this game on Saturday. Um, but um, the, the, the timing is, is right for us. Had some uh, few scuffles in practice. Just uh, the guys are they're just so used to competing and, and playing a team that I think they're uh, they they're got all this energy. And so <laughs> either that or, or finals are really difficult. And um, the guys are just, uh, you know, releasing some of their frustration and anger. But uh, a lot of really good practices. I just explained to the team that the the they're just they're just really excited to play a game and um, and not having one for a, for a few weeks has been uh, has been an adjustment for them. But we see this all the time in, in bowl prep. I, I like uh, what the team has done. I like the improvement that I've seen, especially from the young guys on our on our fundamentals and. Um, you know, we're, we're really excited about the game, but uh, looking forward to getting out there. And, and, you know, last week, it seems like when you get to the game week, uh, that's where the, uh, the the focus and the urgency becomes more important. But I think the guys having finals and getting all their finals done um, as fast, you know, as soon as they can has been has been reminding them that the, that the bowl game is coming right away. And uh, we've had some extra time to prep for SMU and uh, really like the matchup. It's going to be difficult, but we're expecting to to play at our best this Saturday. So, any questions you guys have? All right, that was Kalani Sataki as we launch into Bowl Week. Ty Detmer is going to join us uh, later in the show. We'll get his take on the Cougars, uh, Cade Fennigan, who he recruited. 
back in the day, uh, the Big 12, and we'll fire up the first Wise Guys Bowl Challenge. Um, that's coming up in just a bit. BYU basketball hosting Western Oregon on Thursday, 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain on BYU TV and BYU Radio. And then the Utes and Cougars Saturday at 6 Eastern, 4 Mountain on the CBS Sports Network and BYU Radio, right in the middle of game day. It's right. the first time the football and basketball worlds have collided during a Utah game. Right. So we're not too excited about that, but we're going to work around it. Women's hoops, they play Gonzaga on Saturday to tip off WCC play. And how about Lauren Gustin? She extended her double-double streak to 10 consecutive games um, against the Utes back on Saturday. School record 17 set by Tina Gunn in the early 80s. Kreshmer Chosich and Brett Applegate hold the men's record with 10 straight double-doubles. So we're watching that. We're going to eat it in an out burger, and then we're going to watch that. Yes, we are. That, that stat. Our first guest tonight played basketball at BYU between 1989 and 1995 with a two-year church mission in between. Also the longtime analyst for BYU Basketball and BYU Radio, a published author. Congratulations. <laughs> a pleasure to welcome Mark Durant to the Wise Guys. How many consecutive double-doubles did you have in your career? <laughs> and we're not talking about... In and out burger is, after the game. Yeah. Is zero a consecutive? I, I don't think <laughs> well, you, I ever had a double really? double. No. Come on, you were always I had up one there. In and out. That was it. I've had <laughs> no, a I, lot of consecutive see, in there, and out. There were game, there were games when Mark was playing where I was like, "Is he going to get every rebound in this game? <laughs> like, I think he's going to get every rebound." See, that's the great the thing is everybody remembers me, but they also remember Devin, and they kind of mix us. They together. mix the scoring, and they yeah, think, I, I'm a much better player than listen, uh, you know, because of Devin. And we research. They think I'm Devin. You average ten points. 7.6 <laughs> rebounds. That's close to a double-double right there. Yeah. So you're so saying... You, you almost averaged a double-double. In all those 128 games against BYU, you didn't have a double-double. I don't trust your because you can't even remember what game James Lark, James Lark played in. Do you so remember? I don't know if we can <laughs> Do you trust you. Listen, I'm fuzzy on the Lark games. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, this is awesome. This is cool, man. My, Dave and... We're just glad to have you. Blaine, hey, man, and, I love you guys. Way, I love three, you guys. All three of us will be on that basketball call Thursday night. Yeah. We'll be on TV. Mark will be on, on TV radio. TV is easy, and man. Then, TV is such an easy job. <laughs> and then you Mark, guys just talk about be, whatever. Because no, here's they, the thing. Here's what you need to know about radio. Um, <laughs> and because we've, done, we've all done some radio, too. The thing I like about radio is you can kind of lose track of stuff. But it doesn't really matter because nobody can see it. So you can you can make up crap all that you want, and and nobody knows that you're making it up. TV, like we, you kind of lose track, you lose focus, <laughs> and you say something, and like nine people tweet, "Is Blaine an idiot? Like, is he not watching the same game I'm watching?" Who do you think? So. Who do you think gets more words in per broadcast, you or me? <laughs> That would be interesting to see Greg <laughs> and Blaine do a broadcast because it there wouldn't be enough airtime for there both be, of them. The it words like, would exceed the action. <laughs> hey, we had Greg. I, you and I had Greg on the show the other day. Yeah, on, on Sports, uh, Sports Nation. Station. And it, it actually was fine. It was senior day. We went to Golden Corral afterwards. Yes, we did. For, uh, for lunch. Yes, you guys are old, man. So, <laughs> you, come on. You had some double-doubles. You had to have some double-doubles. Uh, this is not a modesty-type show. This is, no, this is the this wise is like guys. We, we're going to toot your horn. Listen, you, can toot you it had right some back. good games. I want to tell you and everyone out there, I was the best average player to ever play at BYU. I mean, I was so good at Rebounding being very machine. average. I, I mean, listen, I, I was never much of a scorer. I had a couple 20-point games. It was rare. I was a defensive rebounding role play. Get the ball to Larson guy. Set a right. screen for Larson. Get him the rock. That's that was my job. And, and if somebody and knocked I was down pretty a small good at guard, that. somebody knocked down that. a small guard, Mark's job was to chest him up That's right. and challenge him. He was like an enforcer out there. You tweeted recently, and I quote, 
I would have made a ton of money if we had NIL back in my day and if I was a much better player. (laughs) (laughs) And if I had a better personality and better looks. So forecast what the NIL is going to do to college basketball. Oh, man. Uh, I I don't think it's going to do much. Here's my philosophy on that, Dave. You always had the best players going to the big schools, right? And they were probably giving them money anyway. And so they were going to get who they were going to get, and BYU is going to get who they could get. Now those schools can pay more than BYU, so they'll still get those best players because they're paying for them, and BYU will get who they can afford, which is the same players that they otherwise could have gotten. So I don't think it'll make much of a difference except for the lives of the players. I mean, that's a pretty sweet deal when you're bringing in some of that money. I don't don't really have a grasp on how much money it is. I hear these crazy numbers for big-time players. You know, what, what, what would have been for a guy like me, you know, the seven-point-a-game night? Would I get any money? Would I get a couple hundred dollars maybe? I, I, don't, I don't know what they're paying guys. You might get promised some money <laughs> because they can promise everything, and right. since it's not going through the university, yeah. do they have to pay? That, and that's, that's the issue you have with it right now is players, and it's way more crazy in football than basketball right now because basketball you still only have a – 13 or 15 man roster, you know, depending on where you're at. And we're right and, in the and, middle and so of the football season. So there's only so many season. guys. There's only so yeah. many guys. Football, they stockpile guys, right? And and it's 130 guys and you have we we were listening to Dave and I were listening to a Washington State's coach last night just rant about coaches from other teams have contacted his players directly who were not in the portal, offering them NIL deals and telling them to get in the portal so he could get get them there and pay them. Mm. Which which Washington State's coach said it's not right, which it isn't. I actually believe that's an NCAA violation, but but there's just no rules on this thing. So maybe in basketball it doesn't affect it as much because there's so many limited slots, but what about football? Well, I mean, I, I think it does some good things. I mean, obviously the, the walk-ons getting scholarships, that yeah. was a big deal. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it's certainly hard to say how that's going to end up affecting things. I think maybe, you know, you're talking about Jaron Hall, Used to be a couple of years ago, man, he's just going to go, right? And now maybe he's thinking, well, if I stay, it's I, a I business, can, decision. It's a business right. decision for him. So maybe you see guys that otherwise would have left that will stay because they're making enough, mo- enough money. Yeah. Uh, and it's uncertain where you'll be drafted, how much you'll make. You've got this certainty to a degree if you stay and you're getting something. And so it's not like you're just spinning your wheels another year of college football you can actually make some money, maybe improve your stock and get more money on the back. So it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. I think that, you know, we, I don't think we'd be talking about Jaron considering staying if it weren't for the NIL bit. So, yeah. so now back to basketball on that then. In past years, especially BYU, has had some guys leave early and go play in Europe. And, and if, if somehow BYU's um, NIL group can say, hey, listen – you're going to go make X in Europe. You stay here for, for the, your senior season because we can pay you almost that and you don't have to go live in another country. Is there a chance that BYU keeps a few more of those guys for an extra year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I never played in Europe. I had some buddies who did. And, you know, there's this allure of I got to get out of college and start living my life and yeah. see the world. It's It's cool, but... It's a tough life, and it's certainly better now than obviously when my brother played over there. I mean, it, the leagues are better. The money's guaranteed it's better. But 
it's, it's, it's a tough life, yeah. you know, and, and so I think if guys realize how good they had it in college just to begin with without all the NIL stuff, that's a great time of life, man. I know. I look back at those years, like, man, that was a good time. We had some great times back there, didn't we, Blaine? Oh, yeah. And, and you <laughs> know what? Um, Brian, uh, or, uh, Brian Keel and Dave Nixon both have said that they would give up. Now, in hindsight, they would give up a year in the NFL, and they both played for a number of years in the NFL for another year in college. And they didn't yeah, go out early, and they were just saying – you get to you get to professional um, level. It's not the same. It's not yeah. the fun time with your buddies going out and winning games for yeah. your university, and, and having that fun in those relationships. Guys show up for work, they do their job, they go home. It's just not the same thing. And they both yeah. said to us, and that's hey, that's easy for me to say. I didn't play a bunch of years in the NFL. They played in the NFL and said I'd give up a year to come back and, and yeah. play one more year in, of college. That's great hindsight, but these. 21-year-olds and 22-year-olds, oh, yeah, for they, some reason, don't get it, right? They just want to go. They want to move on with life and say, don't be so eager to move on with life because, man, you got it pretty nice. <laughs> I remember uh, working the UNLV games in Vegas, and everyone on the bench, everyone on the Rebel, Rebel team thought they were going to the show. And I'm just like, guys, <laughs> none of you are going to the show. That, it's not just him or him or him. None of you are going to the show, but that's all they could think about was, why do I need to go to class? I'm going to the show. And it was like, why, why don't you try to get in the game first? And then, and then take it from there. You mentioned your brother, Devin, um, a moment ago, and, and uh, he provided us some, oh, man. some questions for this interview. Here we go. Much Easy in the same ones. way that you did for uh, his interview a few months ago. I don't, I don't recall that. <laughs> Devin asks, uh, will you please tweet more often than you do? I love your wit and wisdom, and I want more. <laughs> He's the only one, I think, that's no. begging for more tweets for me. That's, listen, Twitter's super fun, right? Uh, I remember however long, 10 years ago, it, Twitter was a thing. Greg's on Twitter. Greg Rebell, he's like, right. you got to get on Twitter. I'm like, I don't want to get on Twitter. It sounds stupid. He's like, I'll get on Twitter. And then he, I get on, and he's like, Mark's on Twitter. Follow him. And immediately I've got 500 followers because Greg's got the powerful you know, Twitter account. And so now I thought, man, I... I guess I got to tweet something because <laughs> I got all these followers. And then I've never looked back. And listen, I'm a clown on Twitter uh, for the most part. It's fun. It's a creative outlet. Uh, I love it. I just try and tweet things that I think are funny. I don't know if anyone else – and if they do, that's fine. Uh, but it's been fun. It's a nice creative outlet. And hey, if you don't amuse – if you, hey, first amuse yourself. Isn't that the rule of life, right? So, yeah. But he is – Dave is my witness – how many times on this show have I said, if you don't follow Mark Durant on Twitter, you need to follow Mark Durant on Twitter? I've said it Several multiple times. times because I get a laugh every time you tweet something. I, I like I read it to Brenda, and Brenda's like, I know. I follow him now because you told me to. And so she's like, and yes, it's funny. So, and, and, and the thing about Mark's humor is it's a little deeper. Like sometimes you read it and you're like, it's at okay, levels. Wait, wait a minute. Then you go, oh, oh. Like it, it has like an aha, like the light bulb goes and you go, now that's really funny because I yeah. had to think about it. Now that's really funny. So, yes, yeah, if you don't, if you're going to follow anybody on Twitter. All right, you, Devin, you I will Mark. try. Devin, yeah, so, just there for you go. So, so this transfer portal is another game changer. Going to continue to be, especially as BYU moves on to the Big 12. As with the NIL, what do you think the portal's long-term effects are going to be on the game? For good uh, and for bad? Well, I guess because I'm an old fogey and a traditionalist, I'd, I'd say for bad just because you lose some continuity, you lose some connection with the fans. Um, you lo I mean, just uh, I go back to when I played, and 
there, there just wasn't a lot of thought of transferring because there was a penalty if you wanted to do that. You had to I sit mean, out a year. Had to sit out a year. And, uh, and, and so we're talking about this on the way over. I mean, coaches have to be a lot nicer than they used to be because yeah. if a player doesn't like it, he's gone. And we used to just get yelled at uh, out of love, I'm sure, the coaches yelling You're at us. You're saying Roger Reed yelled at you? Roger Reed would yell at us <laughs> like you would not believe. And I love Roger. I mean, Roger is my favorite human on the planet and just the best guy. But that's how he was kind of, you know, you had the Bobby Knights and all those yeah. guys out at the time. Right. And that was just how you coached Rick Majerus. That's how you coached. And that's how you motivated your players. And Roger used to say, hey, listen, if I'm yelling at you, it's because I love you. When you need to start worrying is when I stop yelling at you because then I don't care. And so that's kind of the mindset we had. Anyway, now it's just about if I'm not happy, I'm going to go somewhere else where I'm happy. If I'm not playing as much or the role that I want, I'm going to go find somewhere that I can. And that's good. That's fine. But I think there's some value in having some adversity, meeting that, and overcoming that where you're at. Yeah. And, and like I said, again, I mean, I think it's bad for the fans because every year there's like 10 new guys that you have never seen before rather than here's this guy that came in as a freshman. I've watched him for six or seven years. Like a Jimmer. Yeah, like a Jimmer. And it's just, I mean, that's so cool. You get this investment in these guys. And that's not to say you can't grow to love, you know, Rudy and Jackson and, and, and uh, those, those guys, Noah. But it, it's, you know, it's just different every year so much turnover and uh, I think it I think it hurts just the the average fan who likes to have some familiarity and yeah. really gets invested in players how, how difficult it's a completely different job for a head coach now with with this because in the past well, it's, there's all of these factors but in the past you'd get guys and you could almost say well what, what are you gonna do go sit out of here because I know you're not <laughs> right but now not only are you trying to find talent coming out of high school, but you're also looking to the portal to see if you can add talent to your team. But at the same time, you better be recruiting your own team because you can lose those guys. And yeah. even though you don't directly oversee it, you better have an understanding of NIL and how that works or you're going to lose guys for that reason. How Are coaches equipped to deal with that much? It's a real challenge. Uh, you know, you think about, I've got this kid that I like. I worked so hard to bring him in as a freshman. Now, he better play as a freshman, or he's going to say, I'm going somewhere where I can play. So you have pressure. Now, it used to be maybe you work yourself a couple minutes as a freshman, a little more as a sophomore. Even Jimmer, you're talking about Jimmer, you know, he didn't play a lot as a freshman. Right. Uh, and now it's like I should be starting as a freshman, or you get 100 voices in your head saying they're not using you right. You need to go somewhere where you need to be uh, you know, treated better, and there's no penalty for it, right? Because you just go find somewhere else, then you're off to the next place. You're not sitting out doing anything, and, and so it's a challenge. So you've got to, you got to, you got to play those guys. You got to keep them happy. Uh, uh, but you know, the, the, as, the, as they say, the transfer portal taketh and, and it giveth. You know, you get some really good guys in, like Alex Barcelo, and. You know, go down the list. Just past few years under Pope, he's built a lot uh, of the success off the off the transfers. So, it's certainly a new challenge for coaches, and I think the coaches that can best navigate all of that will be the most successful. Yeah, it's a totally big headache. New one. I think the solution is to put the one year penalty back in 
And I think it would calm everything down, even on the football, football side, is if you're going to transfer, you got to sit out a year. So then you really, really got to decide if you want to go. But if you can transfer from BYU this week and start in September for your new team, or actually be in fall spring drills, and then as if you were there the whole time, that's I, I, just too luring. Here's, here's the thing I think has to happen, to be fair, though, right? And I, I'm interested to hear your take on this. If we're going to do that to the athletes, then coaches also, if they're still under contract and leave, should have to sit out a year before they can coach. Yeah, coaches have been skating on this <laughs> for a long time, man. They get all so, so offended when guys leave. Oh, how could they do this? How disloyal to the program. I, I remember Matt Harms a couple years ago. Was it per, Purdue? I right. think he came from. And the coach was just furious and you know, I, I don't know what all went behind the scenes. He, you know, there's some kind of deal with the, the visa. And, the, you know, I'm not you – know, anyway, it was a real struggle to get Matt here because the coach was so offended. But, man, those coaches, man, they get a, a better deal themselves. They're not – it's not disloyal. It's They're like a, it's a business decision. I got to take care of myself and my family. I'm going to go get this next job. And so, I, I, listen, I'd be happy with that. But once you let the cat out of the bag uh, for coaches or players, it's hard to go back. It would we can be hard, never get back to, in, hard right? to re-implement so, uh, a year ban. I mean, it's just – I don't see it happening. Jackson Robinson is exactly what Mark is talking about. So, so Jackson's a really, really high-level recruit coming out. He's at Arkansas. They're an elite eight team. And, so he, he, hardly, and he was at A&M before right? that. And, yeah, and so, and, but he hardly played. Well, of course he hardly played. He's a young player, and they're an elite eight team. <laughs> so now BYU gets him, and he's got immediate playing time. And, and he's starting for BYU because so, we're not an elite right, eight we're team. we're not an elite eight team or anywhere yeah. close to that. And so – so somehow, you know, we do benefit what, from some of these. The right? problem I have is not the just the you know players leaving and all. I don't like it when, and I'm not going to name any names, and I don't get too worked up about it anyway. But uh, if you're getting the time, if you're a star, if you're a captain, you're playing. Why would you? Why are you leaving? How much better can it be somewhere else? It's not like BYU doesn't get guys drafted, or if you're you know get. I, you, you can have success here. I mean, I can see one thing if you're not playing and you're disgruntled. But if you're a star and a captain, what are you doing? Why not yeah. stick around? You're, name what's some your names, complaint? Name some names. No, I can't. Well, well Keenan Peely is a captain. <laughs> I would never, <laughs> I would never mention that He's gone into the portal. But we're not mentioning his name. But that certainly applies. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. Certainly applies. So. Former BYU basketball star and basketball analyst Mark Durant is on the Wise Guys. We call Devin a basketball star, too, so we're going to just go yeah. with the theme there. He is a basketball star. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Mark, Mark was a starter and big-time part of the team. He's a basketball star. So what's your take on this year's team? Six and five now, two losses against South Dakota and Utah Valley, and then a pair of neutral floor wins against Dayton and number 21 Creighton. And I don't care that Creighton's big man was out. They're still a pretty good team, although they're on a – on the skids as of late. you got a bunch of newcomers, a handful of uh, return missionaries. Um, what do you like about this group? Well, it's a little bit of a hot mess, right? I yeah. mean, it's crazy because, you know, they, they beat Creighton. They play at San Diego State really well. And then they drop, you know, bad games to San, uh, South Dakota and Utah Valley, barely beat Idaho State. So it's like <laughs> I don't know what we're going to get when we show up uh, to a game. Um, I, I think there's a lot of – you know, because they have so many different guys and, and, you know, it's hard to find the chemistry right off. It's hard for a coach to know what what player can I rely on? What what player can I count on to do this and do it consistently? Consistency has been a real problem for this team. And, you know, back when I played, again, back, back in the day, uh, 
and, and the good teams I've seen at BYU, the formula was you have some older guys, and you knew, like for me, Russ Larson, 20 points a night, no question. Ken Roberts, at least 15 a night. Uh, Randy Reed going to get 10 a night. So that's uh, 45 points. That I, I, There was no question in my mind where those 45 points was going to come from. And then the rest of us just kind of filled in, and the, but there wasn't a lot of pressure on a guy like me because – those guys were going to get their points. And th- this team, it's like, who knows where you're going to get your points from? Maybe it's Rudy. Rudy had a nice game the other night. Uh, you know, Spencer's been out. Um, Atiki or, or Foos. Foos uh, probably is a guy that maybe you can th- count on for 15, maybe. Uh, so it's hard. So you, you, there's a lot of guys going, you know, figuring out their roles, chemistry. Uh, but what I really liked about the Creighton, I can, I can forgive almost everything, Dave, yeah. if – you're playing hard, right. and they played so hard against Creighton, and they dominated the boards, dominated the offensive glass. Those are the kind of things that endear me to, to teams, and if they can continue that, win or lose going forward, uh, that, that'll help me out, and I think they'll win a lot if they play that, that hard. People have asked me, and my answer has been, I, you know, I don't know the answer, so now I'm going to ask you about... <laughs> Blaine doesn't know the answer? I'm like, hey, I've been doing this 34 years, and that one I cannot answer, and, and they say... How can a team go out one night and make 19 threes and then that same team show up a few nights later in the same building and really not get guarded any different? Like these were not like, oh, well, because the other night nobody guarded them and they guarded them this time and miss almost every three-point shot they took, whether it was open or not open. You know, the only thing I said, said, I've said to them, there's a lot of mental games going on with this team right now, hesitation, that kind of stuff. But I'm really interested in your take on that because that's a, that's a tough one to answer. How do you make 19 one night and the exact same guys on the same floor, not guarded differently, not make anything? Yeah, Blaine, that's the story of my life, man. Isn't that how life is? Sometimes in life you're making all your threes, and sometimes you just can't buy a bucket, man. I've never you're... had a time in my life where I'm making all the threes. Well, yeah, obviously not you, but Blaine and I. Uh, uh, listen, uh, it's hard to kind of square in your mind that other than, you know, I go back to that natural uh, scene where the guy's like losing as a disease, as contagious as the players. You just keep saying that over and over and shooting is a little bit contagious as well. I mean, if you go out there and you've seen it against BYU too, you make your first couple threes, you're like, this is our night, man. We got to go in tonight. And if you miss a couple and you get down by 10, you're like, oh, man, we got to make this next one. This right. is important for me to make Someone's this. Someone's got to make something. Someone's got, and you're really just pushing it, then it can go badly really quickly. I think this team is somewhere in the middle. I mean, I don't think they're a great team, but I, I think they're better than they've shown the last couple of games. I think it'll help when Spencer's back. He's more consistent. Trevin, if he comes back, which I think he will pretty soon, is a good three-point shooter. I think – They've got guys that certainly can get hot and shoot it well. Uh, but right now it's a little bit they're kind of riding the winds of how we're feeling, you know. And mm. you can't do that and have really consistent success, obviously. So you need to find some guys that are you're not going to shoot 10% one game and 40% the next game, but they shoot 35% every game. That's, that's what you're going to get from me, and they don't have that right now. Uh, and, I, and I agree with Mark 100% on what I saw um, against Creighton was a team that – Got every 50-50 ball. Got, and I'm like, you know what? You don't have to shoot it great and play like that, and you're going to win a bunch of games. And so 
maybe maybe that's the formula for this team until they get more comfortable with who's supposed to take the shot and when. How maddening was that last three minutes? Oh my gosh! Oh, I mean, it was. I watched on TV. And we just wanted to. I, I don't know a, what we wanted I to do, but it wasn't pressure, good. And it was one sixty over one twenty. <laughs> the end of that game. You had to witness Listen, it in person. That was as bad as I've seen. And I, I didn't want to, you know, on the radio, you want to accurately portray what's going on. But you don't want to beat kids up. I mean, right. it's not like they're trying to turn it over. And you don't want to be too critical. But it was bad. It oh. was super bad. As bad as I've ever seen. I mean, a lot of times you'll see pressure and teams will struggle and they'll have a turnover or two. But you had three minutes and about six possessions. Where they couldn't even get it in bounds or get it right past half court. And they had been played so well up to that point. It is hard. I mean, they'd never been in that situation really. They've been kind of the, the comebackers mm-hmm. and have used Dayton, that Dayton. have used that same formula that Creighton did to get back in games, create turnovers. And <laughs> so I think they were not used to it. Uh, you had a lot of inexperienced guys handling the ball because some guys had foul trouble. And it's just no matter how much you practice that, Dave, in practice, it's not the same. Oh. And you're, for one, the athletes were better that for Creighton brought to you and quicker and faster. So it's like a shock to your system what's happening. And so sometimes we used to, when we we're working on our press break, have the defense had seven guys just to try and, you know, estimate that type of pressure so you're used to it. But it totally overwhelmed them. But credit the team for not just folding completely and finding a way to win. I mean, after, after that, suffering through that, to come and win, that was pretty cool. And let's talk about that one. So Dallin Hall hits the game winner. Um, and I loved that he didn't actually make the shot, but he didn't panic, and he just followed up his own shot. So he made the second shot, which was remarkable, that he had the poise to stay with it. It looks like um, he's got a chance to develop into a really, really good player um, for BYU as they move into the Big 12. It's important for him to be good, maybe even more important when Colin Chandler comes and plays the two when they're in the Big 12. What, what, what do you like about Hall? What do you think about his future? Well, again, I'm able to forgive you know some of his inexperience and turnovers because the way he plays, he plays hard. He plays with confidence. He's not afraid. I mean, all he does is hit game and winning shots, right? right. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. And he wasn't afraid to take the shot. And a lot of times you'll see those last second shots. The first shot doesn't go in. It's the tip in that goes in and, and out and down and stuck with it. He's a great kid. Love his family. I just love uh, that he's just a hard nose. He kind of reminds me a little Nate Call when he played. Just a tough kid that's going to win games. He's a winner. And, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be uh, super going forward. What you'll see is his shot get more confident, uh, his turnovers going down, his decision-making a little better. And once he kind of goes through that, he, he's going to be super. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Mark Durant's with us on the Wise Guys. He played in 128 games at BYU, 53 starts, averaged 10 points, and 7.6 rebounds. Your teams went 53-6 and six at the Marriott Center, reached the big dance in three of your four seasons. What was so special about that group? Oh, man, that was, a, I mean, that was fun. My freshman year was Roger's first year. We talked about Roger. And uh, we just, Mike Smith, had, uh, that was, he was gone. And so we were picked to finish last in the conference. Uh, but we had Marty and Andy Toulson and uh, Kevin Santiago, Marquez, a bunch of guys, Todd Crow, Steve Schreiner. Uh, and, and so it was fun because there was no expectations. Yeah. And we ended up winning the conference, going to the tournament, lost on a heartbreaker to Clemson in the tournament. That, that, so that was super fun to play 
with Marty and Andy and those guys and, and have my introduction to college basketball. And then when I came back, we had guys like Trost and Sanderson and Kevin Nixon and Jared Miller. And, uh, and that was probably our best team the year we came back. We, we won the first game in the tournament, barely lost to yeah. Kansas in the second. Uh, we, I, I wish we could have got that Kansas game somehow. Uh, and then my, my last couple of years with Russell and Ken and the Reed brothers and, uh, it was just those are my best friends now yeah. that's that's the cool thing about sports I, this is probably true for you that your best friends uh my best friends are the guys that i played college basketball with and then i, I hang out and i hang out with russell almost every every couple of days and, uh just the greatest guy in the world just really just a, the prince of a, a man and uh and so i just cherish those memories together and we had an alumni breakfast and little thing a couple of weeks ago, and just to see all the BYU guys that I idolized, and then I played with, and then I've called games for, it was pretty special just to be part of that brotherhood. It's just a neat thing. It's really I I've seen both Randy and Robbie with with her, with Roger a, a couple of times here. Mm-hmm. I love Roger Reed. When I got into broadcasting and started to do basketball, and he was one of those guys who just took me under his wing and, and said, "Let me tell you everything we're going to do." In this game, this is the strategy. This is what we're trying to get done. This is what they're going to try to do to us. So he's an unbelievable mentor to me. So I owe Roger a ton for for teaching me the things that mattered in college basketball. So I could and so so kind to me. My let me question. Talk about, let me talk about this first, though. I want to talk. I want to just tell you how awesome you are and how much I respect what you do because for you to go from sport to sport and speak with authority and speak with knowledge, that's remarkable. I mean, that is hard to do. I would hate, uh, you know, I, I teased Greg about letting me do a football game here and there. We might but, have I to mean, bring him to it. We'll bring <laughs> that, I would be such a disaster. But for, for you to know what you know about so many different things, maybe you're making it up. Uh, you, you seem like a guy that just makes up stuff and people don't check, right? Uh, you get away, you get away you speak, a lot doing but that. But you speak with authority. So yeah, anyway, I didn't mean to cut you up no, there, but you're, I think, you're, I think you're, nice. you're just tremendous. It, it, what The job that you do and your ability to do that's remarkable. We're, we're really spoiled. So way back when I got thrown on a basketball game because somebody couldn't do it. And I had played at a high level in high school back in New York. And I said, yeah, I know the game. And, and I really, I knew it, but not like I needed to know it. And, and, and guys like, like Roger and, and on and on and on, and Steve Cleveland, and but not just those guys. Dave McCann. Um, Steve, Steve Fisher took me under his wing at San Diego mm. State because I was doing network games for a long time too. Um, Steve Fisher was unbelievably good to me um, over time. Um, I mean, I could go on and on. About, and Tim Miles was amazing to me when he was at Colorado State. Um, Steve Alford was phenomenal to me. Mm. But all these guys, you know, we get to go to shoot around. And then we get to meet with these coaches. And... And if you do that more than a thousand times, which I have, right, some of it you're going to start to figure <laughs> out, right? You have to be an idiot when you're sitting down with those guys and they say, hey, hey, Blaine, let me tell you what we're trying to accomplish out here. This is what we're trying to do. This is why we're running this offense. This is what they're going to try to do to take it away from us. This is what we have to have. This is how we're going to be successful. This is why they're so good over and over and over again more than a thousand times Then. All of a sudden, I feel really blessed that I've been around all of those guys that were so patient with me for so many years that I kind of know what they want to get done out on the court now. So that's it's not a miracle. It, the miracle is that they were patient with me for a number of years that let me understand the game better. And you didn't get fired in the first nope. couple of years. That, nope. That's a miracle. When I didn't know what I was doing, they let me keep going. And, and I had the benefit of my instructors 
were some of the greatest basketball coaches in the history of college basketball, which is pretty cool when you think about yeah. it. So that, that that's that's the formula for that. So I, I have a lot to be grateful for. You, on the other hand, just know the game. But I was going to ask you about Randy and Robbie. Every time I see those guys, man, those guys have some serious shoe game, dress game. Like, look. <laughs> those, those guys are like, what in the world? The, I saw the, Randy the, the other day. He had some shoes, and I'm not even sure what they were. The crazy thing is they're from Spanish Spark, right? Yeah, I right. mean, come on. <laughs> it's crazy. But, yeah, they – listen, they're two of my favorite people in the world. Randy and I were like brothers in college. And, like I said, I got to spend a lot of time in the Reed home. Their sweet mother who's has uh, some health issues now. Uh, it's heartbreaking. But, man, what a great family. Just an amazing family. And I, I love them. And they've been so successful. And you got to make a lot of money to buy all those shoes. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm so, saying. Like, but, I'm not sure you can buy the shoes that he had on in the United States. I think he had to import those. And, and terrific, terrific players. I mean, I don't think people, because it was Roger, he was his kids. They, it was a hard road for them. Uh, but, you know, Randy was recruited by North Carolina, went on recruiting visits. I mean, he was a top recruit in the country and was a terrific player. Robbie obviously was great. Went and played at Michigan after BYU. I mean, so these guys are amazing players, terrific, terrific people. I saw Randy the other night in Vegas, and uh, I just love the Reed family. Can't say enough good things about them. And Roger, listen, Ro- you know, Roger had some ups and downs uh, and maybe wasn't particularly great with kind of the PR side, which you need as a coach, right? Yeah. But he was an amazing coach. I mean, those battles with Roger Reed and Rick Majerus oh, yeah. was amazing. <laughs> we'd go there. We'd call out their plays. Then we'd go down. They'd call out our plays. And it was these amazing battles over the years. It was so cool. Roger's just a, a, an amazing basketball coach. A few more questions with Mark Durant here on The Wise Guys. Another one from your brother, Devin. Why don't you invite your brother, Devin, to golf more with you? I will <laughs> oh, pay. Yeah, this is his question. Why don't you take your brother out golfing? What's what's wrong? Listen, what's wrong with you? He was the president of the or, or in the presidency of the young men in the church, and he's going to spew lies like that. <laughs> I mean, that's well, embarrassing. He's, not, well, he's, he's out of that calling now. Now <laughs> yeah. he can speak the truth. This was after he got released. So we he could say whatever he wanted. My brother Matt and I and other brothers, we love to play golf. And we have begged Devin to come with. He's got this perfect it life. It sounds to me like he has been left out. And, and Like he came on here and made shunned. it sound like I'm, I'm the outsider. Brother. Like we're the, trying to get the family the back problem, together. Here's the problem with Devin is he's so good at everything. <laughs> I mean, have you ever met a guy that's better? Maybe Blaine is better at more things than Devin and more No, successful. Devin is like crazy talented. He doesn't want to play golf because he's not good at it. And Ooh. he could get good really quickly, but – he doesn't like not being all American, right? He's Mr. All American. So, so you're uh, saying it's on him. Uh, listen, Devin, I will, you know, he moved up to Idaho so he would get out of having to play golf. <laughs> right, right. He'll come but, down. He came down to be on this show. He'll come down and play. No, he, he listen, to go up there I would to Teton love, Springs. There's some good courses. We're just there. trying to bring you guys together. I, I would love to play with Devin. Let me just talk about Devin for a second. I mean, what an amazing human being. I mean, just remarkable. He, you know, I grew up Devin Durant's little brother. That was my name until I was... 24 and i love it uh, i love being devin's little brother not a better person in the world completely pure has impeccable integrity incredibly successful worked hard for everything he's got basketball or otherwise has an amazing family uh i mean i just love my brother devin I, i've never felt an ounce of jealousy just because he's just so awesome <laughs> and i just want to be like him and uh one of the great all-time – I mean, can you think of a smoother, better offensive oh, player? 
He, he, he was Jimmer. He was so good at offense, just pure, pure smoothness, and uh, one of the greats to watch. He, he made it look easy, didn't he? Like oh, he man. just around the rim. I mean, it just in so the summer. Smooth. In the summer, when you come back on the show, if you haven't played golf, yeah, we're gonna. Then that's that's going to be a problem. So right. just, we're going, just Devin. We're going. No, 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 it's, it's, on the, it's on the radio. It's on the podcast. So yep. I'll, okay, we're going to see who. Like, speaking if you of, haven't played golf with speaking him, I'm golf, I know probably run out of time, but. When I met Dave McCann, he was Mr. Vegas everything, right? Oh, Mr. He, he, he ran some hookups in golf. He, I mean, he's like the mafia down there. He ran everything in Vegas. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> I remember I, the first I couple was, of I was, I was not the mafia, but I know some guys. <laughs> I bet you do. I bet you <laughs> know some guys. Sometimes Dave and I, I go down you know there and guy. we have dinner with people, and then we leave, and I'm like, well, they were really nice. Are they in the mafia? And Dave's like, yeah, yeah they they're, are. they're in the mafia. But, but Dave, I mean, I came, I was a nobody, and he hooked me up with some golf for a few years. And if you want to be my friend, uh, you know, aside That's from the Devin, way in. You, you, pay, you, you hook me up with some golf. And uh, I, I remember liking Dave the second I met him. And just he, I'm, you know, I'm just talking about great people here, but Dave McCann is just an amazing, amazing man. Are you just working so the room? Are you working the room? Listen. Because then your wife's next. I don't oh, want you to say about her. I don't think we have enough time to say enough good things about her, but listen. Uh, uh, what a career! I mean, what oh, a man! He, he, he took me seriously. to he took me to um, to play because he had hookups with uh, Walters Golf. Billy Walters somehow was when he buddy. was when he was legit. Yeah, <laughs> let's make sure that Bally High Golf Course. Like I'd never played a course like that. Dave yeah. takes me out there. Like I, I wanted. To, I like I need to check out of my hotel room and sleep right here on the tee box because this is the most <laughs> comfortable plush thing I've ever seen in my life. And he got us out there. For Listen, the we so. can talk about that when the book comes out. The <laughs> <laughs> I got another question for you, and okay. we we have two more questions, and Blaine's going to hit you with five, yeah. and then we're going to oh, get man. you out of here. We're glad you brought Mary Lee with you tonight, so that there she, she is. can drive you home safely. It's snowing out. And she'll call all him on stuff. all the anything that was nonsense. She'll call him on. It so you've uh, you've announced hundreds of games, if not thousands of games, on the radio. Yeah. Twenty six years this year. Twenty six years this year. Uh, any favorite moments? I'm yeah, gonna, I'm, yeah. I, I think I know one, but I, I haven't talked to you in advance. But I'm thinking that the T.J. Haas bucket at Houston where he made the shot and then somebody turned around and hugged you right there at Radio Row. Yeah, it was so weird because we were on the end, <laughs> like on the baseline, which was unusual. And there was this opening. I was on the end of the table like, like this one here, and there was an opening. And in the final play, I just kind of moved myself to, to see a little bit better. And he hits the shot right in front of me, and he falls down. And gets up, and we're like standing face to face, like some romantic scene you got in the your movie. Arms you know? up in the air. <laughs> I got my, yes. And he just looks at me. I look at him, and we just hug. <laughs> and how can you top that moment? And there was like thirty guys just mob us, and I'm in the middle of this. Yeah. I mean, it was. And so, you're on the air. That's my that's my picture on Twitter is me in the back of my bald head and just thirty guys <laughs> mobbing me. It how was awesome. so cool. So, so was that cool. close? Was is that, that a is close guess? One of the best ever. Uh, that, that's pretty close. I mean, the the whole Jimmer experience was cool. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean... Did you call the New Mexico game down at the tournament? Yes. See, I, yes. Ca I called that for television. I called the championship game that year, too, for television. But but uh, what's your memory of that New Mexico game? Because I'd never seen anything like it. Uh, I remember that he scored all those points with no free throws or one free one throw. Attempt. One free 50 throw. 50 points with one free throw attempt. Who and does that? It's just remarkable. He was, he was so good. I remember going down to Arizona and crushing those guys with him. Um yeah, I mean, and going to San Diego State when they had Kawhi and some other guys, I think Billy White or someone yeah, like that, yeah. and they threw everybody at him, and he still, they still couldn't stop him. 
They'd pick him up at half court and double team him, and they still had no hope of stopping the jimmer. <laughs> He'd give up the ball, run off of four screens, come back and get the ball, and knock it down. Yeah, pretty, pretty amazing. It was, it was a fun And time. a great person, too. Let me, yeah, good stuff. That's the great thing is all these people we're talking about are just awesome people. Yeah. You know, that's really cool. Uh, your brother wants to know where he can get a copy of your book, Over the Wall, The Bean Chronicles. He said, my friends have read it, and I want to read it. Man. And where can everyone well, yeah, get where it? Where can they get it? I think if Wait, you it's, dig it's through the, the DI bean, used the book. The Bean Green Chronicles, bin. right? The Bean Green, uh, yeah, the Bean Green Chronicles. Listen. What do I got to Google it? How do I get that? You can get it on Amazon, David. And buy a couple, man. You can afford it. Amazon. Um, but buy them for you all your 100 grandkids. He drives a really nice put them in their eight. Put them in their uh, so stockings. <laughs> uh, it's, on, it's on Amazon. I just, you know. You live life, and one of the things I want to do is write a book, so I wrote a book, and uh, it's kind of a young adult fiction book, and I think it was pretty cool, and I think about 17 other people thought it was cool, and uh, that's probably good enough. It's you hard to... Merrily says she to, thought it was cool. She, she's, oh, that makes you an author. So you here, Here's, a, here's a question before we get to the five. Free throw shooting contest tonight. Like, we take you out of here. Okay. Devin's got to come down. We meet in the Marriott Center. Turn all the lights on. It's just us. Who wins the free throw shooting contest? Devin would kill me. I mean, he would, he, even when I was playing at my top and he was retired, he would kill me. I mean, he's just so much better than me. The thing about Devin is he's super skinny, you know, but he was strong, man. He'd just yeah. push you around. It's, some of the best players that I played against, the, the defining characteristic was how strong they were. And you'd look at him and you think, no, they're not that strong. Andy Toulson was super strong. Um, Grant Hill Pushed me around like a rag doll. I couldn't believe it. And he's just kind of a skinny guy. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But uh, I, I forget what we were talking about with Devin. Free but throw he was, shooting. Oh. You, you think he would, we, we asked Tyler Hawes um, a free throw shooting contest with him and Jimmer. And Tyler was like, yeah, I'd get Jimmer on free throws. <laughs> and, but but then he – but think about it. Tyler probably would get him on free he's throws. He's the one guy maybe yeah, that maybe. could get him. And, and Tyler explained to us that from fifth grade on, he shot 100 free throws a day from fifth yeah. grade on. And then he got to where he was making 95 out of 100 every time or more. And then he had one day when he was going, so he just kept going. He made 157 straight, and we're going, okay, we, we're going to take you in a free throw shooting contest with Jimmer. And then he ended with – yeah, but Jim would kill me on a three-point shooting contest. All right, let's get to five, let's get to five man, questions. David Almodova is up next, and you know he does not like to wait. Oh, so, yeah, so let's jump right to five All questions. Right. Yes, let's start with get on David's your favorite, favorite sports movie. He'll be sitting in the rafters instead of down in the good seats. you got to stay Ooh, in his good favorite, favorite sports movie. Oh, that's tough. I mean, I mentioned the natural early, earlier, uh, Field of Dreams. Hoosiers. I mean, I'll pick one yeah. from every sport. Is that what? Like, no, no you just pick, pick one. one. What's the best of all those? Uh, I think the natural. I'm going to go with the natural. That's that right. just that's, speaks to me. That's okay. a good one. Right. Favorite singer or band? Um, Cake. Wow, I got. I don't even know who Cake is. I pride myself that I've known every band ever mentioned on this show. I will survive the oh, cover of I will survive. That's the cake. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to long go to him. long okay. jacket. Okay. Favorite breakfast cereal? Uh, Crunch Berries. Thank goodness. Crunch I used to I used to ask Santa for a box of Captain Crunch. I used to yeah. Captain Do you ever eat all of the Captain Crunches yeah. and leave like four bites like of nothing but the Crunch Berries at the end? Absolutely. How do you eat any other way? You don't I eat it any that. other way. That, that would this be wrong. This is a wrong. man after my heart. He likes regular Captain Crunch. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, I had it this morning. So, and anybody, hey, listen, just for the record, anybody that comes on here and does a healthy cereal? I like cereal, the all Crunch Berries. We just make Just straight Crunch Berries? Yeah. No no Captain, just all berries. Oops, we forgot the Crunch. All right. Favorite BYU moment is a, is during your time, not broadcasting, your favorite BYU moment when you were there. 
Uh, Robbie Reed hitting the three to beat Utah at the Huntsman Center. Yes. No question. That was, oh, that yeah. was a celebration that love, will never be forgotten. I love, love that one. Ends. Okay, your favorite thing about your older brother, Devin? I think you kind of mentioned it a moment ago. I got to keep talking about Devin? Just, just for a few just, more just seconds. One, I told you growing up, Devin's little brother. Devin's little brother. Um, What's your favorite thing about him? He's just good, man. Can you say anything better about a person just saying they're just good? He's just good all the way through. Just uh, good. He's good. That's just good. Good. That's better than bad. I'd I second that. that I'd much. second that about that. He doesn't have any bad, though. Uh, you think you have a little? He Maybe tried, he's got He something. tried to steal Brenda from me once, but no. It's, and Marie well, Osmond, by the way, on this show. To, his, to college, Dale. Yeah, we, 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 we were at we the training table, and he, he, he said, Who's that girl with you? Listen. Are you dating her? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, oh, okay, I'll back off then. Listen, Marie Marie sat right here on this show and said, Devin was a forward on the basketball team, and he was forward on our dates. Wow. And then when wow. we asked I him have... about that, of course, his wife was right here. He, he just moved on to the next thing. Yeah, he said plausible no, deniability. You, you could never like, say no, that, that about me. That didn't I, He said Marie makes up I, stuff. I, I, was on, I only had eyes for Mary Lee. Yeah, you're a wise man. As a connoisseur of all things interesting, our last question for you. What you remember, What will you remember the most from the legendary BYU alum and uh, author of the Air Raid Offense, Mike Leach, who passed away? Oh, man, that breaks my heart, man. You just Every time you saw a clip for him, you, from, you know you're just going to laugh yeah. and, and just be entertained. And the thing about him and what's so rare in the world, Dave, he is a complete and utter original. Oh, Just yes. nothing like him. And that's so rare. And you think about guys that are just – you know, originals and what they, I think about Tony Engel, who's my coach and uh, passed away from COVID and too young, just like Mike Leach. And he was an original and just, you know, those guys make, they, they salt the earth, the, the people that are, that are that original. And, and to be that original, Blaine, you just have to be fearless, don't you? Mm-hmm. And just not care. You're just so true to yourself and just, I mean, that's uh, just heartbreaking to think we don't, we're not going to get 20, 30, 40 more years of Mike Leach. I just, I can't mm-hmm. even contemplate that. It's terrible. It is, and it, and it, and it adds uh, uh, every day things happen to give us perspective, and, and this is happening at age 61, which should make us all want to live our best days right now and, and be grateful for as many of them as we get. That's why I'm That's here, man. Sure. This, is, this is my best day being with you guys. The Thank great you. Mark Durant. Thanks for bringing your wife. Happy holidays, your family. We'll see you Thursday night. be safe night. out there in this crazy snow. Man, I'm wearing my. This is my snow shirt. You got. I got to go down that hill. I, whose home is this? I don't even know. Well, we. It? It's an undisclosed location. I got to go down you that guys, freaking hill, man. We, we yeah. shouldn't even. What, people don't even know it's on a hill. <laughs> not, yeah, as far for as we know, for security reasons, pray, we don't tell people where we are. Listen, just go slow, and you'll make it. And if that if that's super slick, then then try this my, other other my, way. Go down back behind okay, the temple. Okay. That's the other way. Yeah, you go that that's way. That's my life. Dave, you're like saying way too much about Well, I know, but I want him to live. Okay, I want you to live. Thanks Thank for you. coming. That's You've always been, house on hill You've been be more hit. concerned about me than Blaine. Who just that, that's probably true. That's probably true. I was going. You were a BYU quarterback, man. That's amazing. That's like the most beloved position in all of Mormonton, except for the prophet. <laughs> and you are one of them. <laughs> Holy smokes! Hey, uh, let's bring in uh, Mr. Alvadova yes, before he goes David to bed. Almodova. David, David, come hey. in here. Mark, thank you. Hey, BYU you Senior so Associate Mark. Athletic Love Director you, of Marketing, David right. Almodova. Love you guys. He is live with us just before heading to the New Mexico Bowl on Saturday. Hey, Mark just kept going, and he just kept going, and no, he just kept going. I, but now he is done, and so we welcome you back to the show. Well, thank you. It's great to be here with you guys. <laughs> and we can't tell you where we are because it's an undisclosed One of these location. days when you come in person, uh, then you'll know exactly 
Exactly. <laughs> I can't believe I got to follow Mark Durant, though. That's a tough one to follow. Uh, it well, is well, I guess, be tough. And guess who follows you? Ty Detmer. Yeah, well, so I, you think you I, got problems. Yeah, Ty's got that. problems. Ty's got to yeah, follow he, you. Like, Ty's going to be like, oh, man, how am I going to do that? <laughs> so Hey, if the, if there's a bull event to be at later this week down in Albuquerque, it'd be the alumni tailgate party Saturday, 2.30 to 4.30 local time. It's free if you want to eat. It's going to cost you 10 bucks. You can RSVP with the link that we're going to post on the live stream, BYU alumni. Uh, dot I think edu. Yeah. Um, for those listening to the podcast, go to alumni.byu.edu. Alumni Association's done a great job all season rallying the troops when uh, when the guys have gone on the road. This should be one. This should be one on Saturday. Yeah, Michael Johansson and his crew at the alumni office—they do an amazing job for us. Uh, obviously, they put on tailgates at all of our road games, and they do a great job with their events. I'm looking forward to see what they do this Saturday. So if your fans are going down there, make sure you get tickets. Make sure you go and attend that event because it'll be fun. If, if fans are still looking for tickets, um, David, we're, what pathway should they follow to get tickets to this game? Uh, just go to the New Mexico Bowl. Um, it's online. It's we have to fans that are looking to purchase go to their website. Um, so University of New Mexico is the, the host, and so fans just need to go to their ticket office website. To buy tickets for the game. We've got a, a link to that on our our live stream for those folks looking to get some seats over there. Weather's going to be decent. It's going to be it's going to be fun. This is the last game of Independence, the last bowl game uh, before BYU joins the Big Twelve. D- do you feel relief? Is there some relief that this is finally ending? You know, I I'll be honest. Like I don't like this part of the year because I don't want football to end. I, I love watching our football team play. I love watching our guys compete. And so it's bittersweet, but also really excited uh, to look ahead and to look at July 1 as our official day. We go on to the Big 12 and next season. Um, really excited about this. And, and, and for those that don't know, David and his whole team, everything that you see in that stadium, all of the cool stuff that happens in the stadium or in the Marriott Center that goes on, that's David's team. That, that makes the game day experience amazing in what it is. So so kudos to you guys. It's one of the best experiences yeah. in all of all of college football and all of college basketball. Um, I'm wondering, from a marketing standpoint, what are you most excited about as BYU goes to the Big 12? You know, we've been able to increase our staff, and with that, increase some resources. And so really looking forward to, to going big. It's kind of been the our mantra over the last – since we were – Notified that we're going to Big 12, obviously went through this season. And as we're prepping and planning for next season, it's like we got to go bigger. We got to be better. And that's kind of been our mantra within internally within our team. And so, ironically, today we had a football recap meeting just of this past season on things that we felt like were good, things that we felt like we need to work on, things that we need to get better with. Um, And then, obviously, we'd like to institute or implement some new things for next season. Um, I don't know if you guys have talked much or have heard with about Brett Yormark, the new commissioner of the Big 12. Yeah. But he is one marketing genius and things he has cooking and the things that I've heard about are going to blow our minds and what he's trying to do. So I'm really excited to work with, with him. And they just hired a new chief marketing officer for the Big 12 that I'm really excited about. We've been on some calls with him and he is dynamic and he is awesome. And so, so are there some things, David, that that they'll roll out, uh, roll out as a conference that you guys can tag into and partner with and side by side with those kinds of things? Absolutely. And so um, I know that, you know, 
we're hoping to get the the schedule released here shortly, uh, really, really soon. And so once we get that, we'll start, you know, planning obviously our home game and home game events and what we want to kind of accomplish. And then obviously road games will be big as well. So very excited, very uh, looking forward to learning from Brett and his staff and we're just excited. Listen, does being in the Big 12 mean more pre- and post-game fireworks and an increased number of jet flyovers? <laughs> uh, partially. Yep, we want to <laughs> shoot off as many fireworks as we can and what our risk management team will allow us to do. And obviously, of course, more jets. And, um, yeah, we're looking to just do a, ho- a whole lot more moving into next year. If you need us to, if you need us to work on Clark a little bit um, with the flyovers, we have we, we have a little say with Clark. You know, he's been on the show, and uh, you know we we can help you out where that where that is. Oh yeah, we've made requests to Clark already. We've got other people that have reached out from different parts of the country with different aircraft. So oh, we're wow, to see what works. You know, the one thing that's hard, and maybe Clark has shared this, but you know, there's a twilight time that we can't yeah. have any flyovers for. When we don't know kick times, it's very hard to schedule those out. So. That's the only difficult part about it. Yeah, that's and true. And, and for those that didn't listen, when when Clark Clark Heyman um, is a former BYU uh, student who um, now is in a leadership position in the Air Force, flew F-15s, still flies them, flies that, flies multiple type of aircraft, and, and he um, is one of the guys uh, with the Air Force that coordinate flyovers all over the country. And obviously BYU has a great relationship with Clark because of his roots. And I know David's worked with them to help coordinate some of that stuff. So we, we've got an ACE, no pun intended with, with the air force <laughs> that helps us get some of these cool flyovers. Right. That's right. That's right. And it's, it's ironic and it's crazy how long it takes to plan those things out. So, oh yeah. Yeah. You do a great job. We did a story in the Deseret news last summer on, on the process that you go through to get somebody to buzz over mm-hmm. and, uh, it is a process, but man, those few seconds, there's nothing that quite tops a jet flying in with some buddies. Uh, low and loud <laughs> yes, is how we I like it. it. Low and loud. Hey, uh, we're with David Almodova, BYU Senior Associate Athletic Director. A couple more questions for you before Ty comes on. Uh, BYU alum and, and, and Mike Leach, who passed away last night, gave the Big 12 its offensive identity with the air raid offense, and now BYU is heading into into the Big 12. How will you remember Mike Leach and his impact on the game? Man, national treasure and what college football needed. And I think, you know, Tom Homo and our senior staff meeting this morning shared some experiences that he had with Mike over the years. Obviously, they were in school at BYU together. Blaine, I don't know if you were. Yeah, I was there, there. I was there with Mike, yeah. And Tom shared, you know, how he, he was a rugby player and he kind of, found his way to, to meet LaBelle and asked if he could just come to practice and watch. He just wanted to learn football. And so all of a sudden he's at practices, then he's showing up in team meetings and players are going, who is this guy? And he was just the guy that just wanted to learn the game. And, you know, he got in touch with Hal Mummy, who was a great coach back in the day and connected with Hal. And as Hal moved on in his career, he took Mike with him. And, you know, I think great. I mean, he's, he's one of the best interviews you can watch. And really going to miss him. You know, college game is going to miss him, and obviously our sports going to miss him. So, yeah, he was one of the, one of the one of great BYU alums. Um, he was the the genius in the back row at meetings, is what I would say. <laughs> he was the genius in the back row, taking it all in. Hey, Ty Detmer is going to join us here in just a few minutes, as we mentioned, David. Um, if you're faced with it, this is a tough question. You're faced with an 80 yard um, drive. You got under two minutes to play. 
Which quarterback do you want to put in the game? Do you want Ty? Do you want Jim McMahon? Do you want Steve Young? Or do you want Max Hall? Who do you want? All of them. <laughs> All of them. I can't pick one. I love Ty Detmer. He's 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 my guy. And obviously Jim did great things. Max Hall. Max Hall was so just a little background growing up for me, right? I, I'm not a BYU guy, I'm a Hawaii guy. And my first my first uh, football game at LaBelder Stadium as an employee was Max's first start. And obviously his first year was one to remember and that Utah game at the end of the year where he connects with Austin Collie. And yeah, that's, that's a tough one. That's a tough question, Blaine. Not fair. Just it, it, but, uh, see, look, oh, we won't make you pick one. You, you probably who win. would you pick? Who would you pick? We'll pick Ty Detmer. He's coming on next. Are you yeah, crazy? Whoever's next on. <laughs> I, hey, you know what? I, I, I love them all. But, but I remember when I was a freshman, and Jimmy was our starter quarterback. He was a senior. And teams would score. Like, we didn't have a lot of close games. If we ever had one and a team would score, I'd look up at the scoreboard, and I'd be like, what a bunch of idiots. They left three <laughs> minutes and ten seconds on the clock, and they're going to let Jim McMahon go back on the field. Oh, well, they're, we're, we're winning this one for sure. So I never, never questioned that if Jim had the ball in his hands last that we were going to win a game. And so I have a little bit of a soft spot for Jimmy, but – I'd take any one of those guys um, to go win a game with two minutes or less to go. Absolutely. David, 100%. have a great time at the New Mexico Bowl. Safe travels. Yeah, we appreciate all there. that you do, and, and we'll see you when you get and back. Are, hey, are you and I going to the Masters again next spring? I would love that. Let's let's figure it out. See if you guys can work that out. Let's figure it okay. out. we got to go again. David, have I went to the Masters. Night. It was fun. Thanks, Thanks David. See you, David. We will. Bye. Appreciate it. David Almodova. From BYU does a great job and, and a longtime friend of ours and and we love having him on the show, kind of painting the picture for the Big Twelve, which is just around the corner. Our next guest is BYU's only Heisman Trophy winner, beating out Notre Dame's Rocket Ismail in nineteen ninety, which is thirty two years ago this month. He's also a member of the College Football Hall of Fame, the BYU Hall of Fame, and the Texas High School Hall of Fame. He's also head coach at American Leadership Queen Creek High School. Marched them back into the playoffs with former BYU quarterback Max Hall as his offensive coordinator. Pleasure to welcome Ty Detmer to the Wise Guys Live from Texas tonight. Ty, welcome. Yeah, appreciate you having me. Hey, hey Ty. And notice he's got the Texas right behind him. I knew, yeah. I knew you'd have something <laughs> Texas, brother. I knew it. It's like you're a Texas Ranger. Uh Hey, how many times during the season did you have to question Max and his play calling? Be honest. Honestly, not many at all. Uh, he does a great <laughs> job, man. He he puts a ton of time and effort into it. And, and uh, you know, we, we talk throughout the week a little bit, and he kind of bounces some things off of me. But, you know, he's the guy there till midnight uh, putting in the game plan and, and putting the time in. So, um uh, he does a great job, and I just try to stay out of the way. Did you did you have to uh, since you changed so many of Norm Chow's play calls? Did you do you give that same luxury then to Max of yeah, do what you think's best? <laughs> yeah, I mean Max is like I said, he puts a ton of time, studies it. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's doing a great job with our players <laughs> and and knowing who can do what. But I don't, I don't. I don't get in the way. He's, you know, our quarterback, if he changes plays for Max, Max would throow a fit. So, you know, he <laughs> wouldn't have been a good OC for me at BYU. <laughs> hey, I, I, but I remember, Ty, many a time when uh, Norm's upstairs, you maybe changed a play or you threw it to somebody that you thought the read dictated and Norm didn't agree. And, and, and you guys would 
got to get after it on the phone. You go over on the phone, and I noticed like Ty and Norm kind of getting after it a little bit. You, you and Norm had great respect where you could argue something out when you were playing, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We didn't we didn't really argue much. I, you know, I was a coach's kid, so a lot of times I just kind of had to take it and, and know, uh, you know, that the coach was always right. But um, Norm was great for me. He allowed me to to have some freedom in it and and within reason. You know, you have to have a reason for doing things and and uh, he was he was awesome for me to play for because he did allow me some of that freedom. We've been talking a lot today about uh, Mike Leach, the BYU alum and Mississippi State football coach passing away uh, last night after suffering a heart attack on Sunday. We know that we know for a fact that he had tremendous respect for you. And in what ways did he impact the game? Yeah, he, uh, you know, he took some of the BYU stuff and and took it and ran with it. And, and, uh, you know, he and how mommy kind of partnered up and then, you know, coach Leach went and, and did it his way. And, uh, he's a guy that I've, I actually talked to, uh, earlier in the year, um, traded text. We had a play, one of our players went down to Mississippi state game and let him know that the kid was coming and he texted back and was hoping to get out there this spring to see how they do things and, and, you know, kind of watch them practice. And, uh, so, um, he was always one of the guys that would answer back and, and, you know, he picked up the phone probably 10 years ago. He was on a trail between Washington and Oregon and, and was talking to people along the trail. And we were talking quarterbacking and, and uh, you know, really, really sad to hear the news. And um, but just one of those genuine guys that there was no ego with him. He just he was really genuine and, and always answered texts or picked up the phone when when I called. Do you have a favorite Mike Leach story? It seems like everybody's got a fun story about Mike Leach. Do you have a favorite favorite interaction with him? Well, probably that one where he was on the trail. You know, he, I'm talking to him about a quarterback that had played for me that went to Miami and wasn't happy there and, and was looking for a place to go. And I called him and he answered and he said, I'm on this trail, you know, between Oregon and, and Washington. It's really <laughs> fascinating. And I, then I hear him like, Hey, how you doing? Is there anything good to see up ahead? You know, he can just stop and talk to whoever <laughs> the other way. And, and, uh, I mean, that was, that was him, you know, and then just hearing a lot of the stories that are on Twitter and, and, uh, people reliving, uh, you know, a lot of the interviews he did. I mean, like I said, he was just genuine and having a good time doing what he did. We had shared the story earlier as, as Blaine and I were down on the field talking to him before our 2012 broadcast when Washington State was here, and he just he just started telling us about his student job was to take the bones from the Dinosaur Museum across the street from the stadium and relocate them down below the uh, East Stands, and he said he, was, he knew where all the bones were buried uh, <laughs> at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. He, he, he is yeah. so funny. That sounds like him. I'm sure he loved every minute of it and studied up on him too. Oh, so. that's the thing. He that's what I was telling uh, um, guys tonight is that whatever he decided he was interested in, he studied it and he studied it deep um, and knew everything there was yeah. to know about it. So, hey, let let let's switch over uh, to BYU right now. They take on SMU Saturday night. Um, Jaron Hall. Could play, might not play. Like, it's just really iffy right now. He's limited in practice this week. And and, and we know that he didn't play in last year's bowl game. Cade Fennigan is going to get his first reps at quarterback in 25 months if, if Jaron can't go after transferring from Boise State. You took a look at him 
way back when, right? When uh, when in the recruiting process, what did you like about him back then, and what do you expect out of him Saturday if he gets in the game? Yeah, I went down and watched him practice, and I played with his dad Garth for a year at, at their BYU. I think he was a freshman from South Texas, way down in the valley, and and so we had some some common links there um, when he came to school. But um, you know, he's he's one of those kids. You knew he understood the game. He was smart. He he didn't overwhelm you physically at the time. You know. Um, you know, I, I'm sure I didn't overwhelm anybody my whole time at BYU. Um, so, uh, that wasn't really a problem. Uh, I thought he threw the ball really accurate, um, uh, had good touch on it. And so, um, I know he played against BYU a couple years ago there at Boise and, and, uh, did some good things. So, uh, I know he's probably excited and chomping at the bit to get some more reps and there might be a little bit of rust to shake off with game, game speed, but, uh, he's a kid that's been around football and, and grown up with it. BYU's only Heisman Trophy winner, Ty Detmers, on the Wise Guys tonight from Texas. When you go back to your BYU debut at Wyoming, um, and it didn't go great uh, through four picks, uh, I think that it was a, why, why does Dave always bring that up? Why I'm, just he setting the that up? I'm setting the scene for okay, okay. Because uh, you won the Heisman Trophy, which is how we started okay, this question. Okay, okay. Um, but, but going into that setting, um, is, is a tough thing to do. And so put us inside Finnegan's helmet. I mean, he sat for 25 months. He's dreamt about this. And, and as, as you recruited him, he dreamt growing up to play at BYU. And here might come this moment. So what would be your last piece of advice to him before he runs out onto the field? Uh, don't try to overdo it, you know, um, play within the offense. And if it's not there, check it down. You know, I learned the hard way that first game, like you said, and, uh, it's, uh, you know, go out there and you got, you got good teammates around you guys that can make plays. So I'm sure, uh, a rod will put a plan in place to, to get him some completions early and get the ball in guys' hands and let him settle in a little bit. You know, if Finnegan starts on Saturday, he'll be the first Texan to start for BYU in a bowl game since you were the starting quarterback at BYU. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's been a long time. I'm getting old. <laughs> I got the speaker Botsky's a sandwich place down here in Texas the other day. I'm like, the lady asked me if I wanted it. I'm like, do I really look that old? So, um, <laughs> well, I guess, uh, since we've had a Texan at quarterback, so, That'd be great. I like our odds. It's, yeah. it's, cra- it's crazy to me that as many great quarterbacks have come out of that state, that it's been that long since BYU's had a starter from Texas. It's wild to me. Yeah, uh, so. for a bowl game. I know Steve Clements came in behind me That's right. pretty close. Um, but, yeah, we haven't had many Texas quarterbacks there. No, and and, uh, and we're hoping uh, if he gets his shot, and we're all eager to see what he can do, that uh, that he can settle in and, and have a good showing on, on Saturday. You played in – Bowl games all four years at BYU. Something unusual seemed to happen in all of them. Um, but let's start with the Freedom Bowl, which was your first as a freshman, and you beat Colorado 20-17, to 17, uh, and that kind of solidified you as the starter moving forward. Did you sense that that was a monumental moment for you? Yeah, I kind of did. Um, I came in the second half. Um, you know, Sean Covey was the starter, and and uh, we ended up winning. Our defense played great. It's not like we just, you know, blew the doors off the second half. But uh, I think I threw a touchdown to Chuck Cutler, and we managed to kick a field goal or something like that. And, and uh, you know, we're able to win the game. And that kind of, I think, solidified things going into spring ball. Sean Covey had knee surgery, so he didn't participate, which really kind of, 
cleared the way to, to take the reps and to, you know, kind of become a leader uh, during spring football practice. So in 1989, oh, wait, wait, let oh, me ask the, that's right, because I got to ask you about this because <laughs> the people he, ask about this the, all the he's time. He's more famous than any of us, right? At this point, right? <laughs> but um, did you ever tell Jason Chaffetz just to keep his helmet on after a kick? Everybody wanted to, but you know, you don't want to get in a kicker's head. So, you <laughs> so you just really, didn't talk to him. You didn't talk to him at long, all. As long as he was making kicks, everybody was okay with it. You know? <laughs> Take your helmet off. That's then you got a problem. He made the big kick to beat Colorado, yes, and that did. helmet popped off before the ball even went that's, into the goalpost. That's right. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot about that point. So we we had we had to give Jason a little bit of hassle on that one. That's right. So uh, and and now he's a big star on Fox. But um, so let, let's fast forward to 1989 Holiday Bowl, Penn State 50 to 39. I called that game. We were both uh, there. Yeah, we were both there that. calling that game. Crazy game. You're driving to win the game, uh, and you're standing in the pocket when Gary Brown, Penn State's backer, grabs the ball and runs 53 yards for a touchdown to seal the win. You completed 42 passes for 576 yards that night. In the interview room, um, Joe Paterno said, we've played against a lot of great quarterbacks, and I've coached against a lot of great quarterbacks in my time. That's one of the best quarterback performances I have ever seen. So that's coming from Jopa. Did you uh, – can you believe that Gary Brown grabbed that ball away from you? You guys were driving to win the game. Well, actually, we were we drove earlier and were going for a two-point conversion to tie the game. They intercepted that, and I missed the tackle down the sideline. So they were up four. Our defense gets a stop. We're driving to win it. And I look back at the film, and I'm like, man, why did I not push up in the pocket harder? And uh, and avoid that. And so it was uh, it was a crazy finish because they had two long defensive plays, you know, that that really sealed the deal for them. So well, it was a uh, it was a fun game, though. I mean, to do that against Penn State, not many people had done that against them uh, before. And they I'd watched them play Miami a couple years before, and they just dominated them on defense. And so. That, uh, that really set the stage going into 1990, you know, with the, the Heisman Trophy and then playing Miami early in the season. That I think that game gave us a lot of confidence. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you about that, especially with the comments that Joe made, and he was so respected back in those days in the game. Um, so di didn't win that game. Um, but how much of an impact do you think that had on – on the next season in your ability to win the Heisman. Was that a pivotal point? As Not as pivotal as Miami, but maybe number two? Well, I think so because uh, I know the school, the, the media department, um, our public relations had sent out ties to all the Heisman voters, like saying, hey, here's a tie you'll like for the holidays. And, <laughs> and so it was like the pressure was on. You know, if you go out and lay an egg, everybody's going to be like, ah, you know, that was a waste of time. So um, it did really kind of open people's eyes, I think, going into the season and then obviously beating Miami. Um, kind of sealed the deal early in the season there. Well, I was on the sideline as our reporter when Gary Brown ran past me, and I remember yeah. looking at him going, well, I don't think that was supposed to happen. And, and you guys were trying to chase him down, but uh, but but your bowl stats were talked about the whole rest oh, of yeah. the bowl season. All during the bowl season, and it was an was, earlier bowl, so yeah. You know, so it was a, it was a loss but a win, uh, and then you solidify it with, with the Miami victory. In that 1990 Holiday Bowl, you go up against Texas A&M, and uh, and they beat you. Skip over that. <laughs> yeah. What did you do to make them so mad that they separated both of your shoulders? They acted like it was personal. I blame Chris Smith, our tight end. I hope he's watching tonight. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, he kind of popped off in the media that, oh, well, we wish we were playing a higher ranked team. Oh, and this no. and that. Like, oh, that's not the group to do that to. I, I knew a lot of those guys in high school or knew of them and, and, uh, they were ready, you know, they, they'd had a history of getting after Heisman winners and bowl games in the previous years. I, I think they played Notre Dame and got after, uh, Tim Brown that year. And so, um, I knew, I knew they would be ready and they were, they were really good defense and, yeah. and uh, they gave us fits. So it was a problem. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a problem, but you did, you did leave the, the game with uh, two separated shoulders and the Heisman trophy. So you still had that. <laughs> yeah, that was a long ride home. My parents had driven out and I drove 24 hours in a, in a van, just sitting there, you know, trying to not move my shoulders at all. So long trip home. Well, and, and Dave and I were lucky. We got to be there with you um, for the last three bowl games. And, and, and we were also with you that year over in Hawaii. Um, and part of the folks that were putting together the broadcast so you could be part of the Heisman Trophy thing. I was laying on the ground in front holding a microphone. So that was my role. So nobody could see me, but I was holding the microphone so we could get the reaction of, of the team there with you. So we, yeah, Dave and I were really blessed to be part of that 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 great run with you for these last three. And, and the last one was the 1991 Holiday Bowl, BYU 13, Iowa 13. We called that one as well. Um, you, you know, March uh, to the 18 with under a minute to play. Uh, pass gets tipped and intercepted at the five-yard line, and, and your final BYU game ends in a tie. I can't even believe they let us tie. Ironic that days. it would end in a tie for yeah. tie. Um, yeah. so, so we were on that broadcast. I, uh, we, Dave and I were reminiscing about after that game, you were awarded the MVP trophy, but you wouldn't smile for the pictures because you were so bugged <laughs> that it was a tie. Do you, do you remember well, that? I was more bugged. I threw an interception there at the end. It we wasn't in- your fault. That shouldn't even go. That was a tip ball. That wasn't your deal. Well, it was a little high. You know, I'll take I'll take the blame for that. <laughs> one. And uh, I I probably you know if I make a better throw, it's a first down, and we've got a chance to win the game right there on a field goal. But um, yeah, I was I was more disappointed than that. That I I knew we were in field goal range, and I didn't give us a chance to win. That was the last tie in major college football bowl history. Somebody asked me if we ever tied in college. I'm trying to remember. Uh, it was Steve number Spurrier. S- if I ever was a part of any ties, and I said, "Yeah, we actually had two my senior year." So right. uh, we, I just saw him at the Heisman, and he he just asked me that, and it brought up we were eight, three, and two that year. So it was. Uh, that I'm other tie to- was uh, with San Diego State, which was kind of like a win because it cost them, kept them out of the Holiday Bowl, and put you back in. It did. That that clinched the. All we had to do was beat Utah the next week to win the conference, and uh, and we were able to do that. And so, you know, Lavelle, I remember him at that time was like, uh, "We're going for one. We're going to beat Utah next week, and we're going for one." So, <laughs> and then you did. Yep. Yeah. Are you are you kind of bummed that? Um, I mean, those were those were exciting bowl games, and and the team was good, and and uh, and the magnitude of it meant so much. And now you've got bowl games that unless you're in the playoff, it's just kind of like, uh, you know, a lot of guys don't even go play. They, they, them. Guys opt out. Guys go, oh, no, I'm not going to play. I don't want to get hurt. What, what's your thought on all of that? Yeah, we were talking about that at the Heisman ceremony last weekend with a few of the other guys. And, and you know, it's, it's a tough deal because these guys are looking for their future. But there's even a couple guys not playing that are in the in the playoffs and uh, in, in top four team, you know, so that are deciding to opt out. And yeah. so there's got to be 
I don't, I don't know any way around bowl games and things, but you know, the consensus was that uh, from some people that the bowls might just go away because the lack of enthusiasm from the teams and the players and some, some schools even opt not to go play in a bowl. And uh, it's, it's a hard thing, you know, for, for coaches and, and everybody to get up um, for a game that, you know, used to, it used to be bragging rights and meaningful and, yeah. and uh, fun to be a part of. And now everybody's kind of looking out for themselves or they're going into the portal and they're losing six or eight guys that they, they were planning on playing. And, and uh, it's, it's a weird time in college football right now with that. You know, on, on that note, so you get Caleb Williams who last year was at Oklahoma and he transfers with a bunch of guys with the coach, and they go and have a phenomenal season. They, I, I, I'm convinced if he doesn't, you know, pull his hamstring on that 70 yard run, that they they probably win that game and are playing, you know, one of the final four. But you you get that guy hurt, you've got problems. I mean, what, what's your thoughts on on Caleb Williams? Um, you got a chance to meet him last week. I'm I'm sure your thoughts on him as a player and his future and and, and all of that. Well, you know, he's very dynamic as a player, you know, with, with his legs and he makes all the throws and, uh, very creative, you know, on the run and, and, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley's done a great job with quarterbacks and, and the offense they run and he tailors it to each guy individually. And, um, I was, I was impressed with him at the Heisman, you know, his, his drive, his, his, uh, work ethic and the time and energy he's put in, uh, is pretty impressive. Uh, I'm sure he's given up a lot of personal life and, and fun times to, to put extra work in and to get where he's at. But, um, you know, I know he's looking forward to, to trying to win a championship next year. And, and that's was kind of the message, you know, that, that he left with, there's still work to be done. And so I think, you know, for him, he'll play, you know, in the bowl game, if he's healthy and, uh, he seems to have that drive and want to be that leader of the team. But, you know, guys that have another year, I think all look forward to playing in the bowl game, but guys that maybe are done or, or figuring they're going to leave or, or opting out. So, um, you know, I, I think he'll play this this you know bowl if, if if he's healthy and feels comfortable doing it. But again, that one doesn't mean a lot for them being out of the playoff picture. When you think of BYU and and SMU, and when you think of SMU, the death penalty usually follows with with what they went through for paying players. Uh, under today's standard, I don't think that would have ever happened. And we mentioned all the time, Jerry Tarkanian was a pioneer. Oh, with yeah, what he, he, had st- going he started on. NIL. Jerry yeah, Tarkanian did at UNLV. But what, what as, as the game moves forward, and you're a high school football coach, so you're sending kids into this system, um, do you see uh, money just becoming the factor of where a kid goes? Well, I think, first of all, I think kids – a, a lot of kids think they're going to make a lot of money in college and, and it's probably very few that actually do make, you know, some money to, to really make a difference at the collegiate level, you know? So there's probably, it's probably sorting itself out a little bit now and, and incentive based more so than just giving a guy a bunch of money to come to school there and, and he not even play or leave the next year and transfer somewhere else that wants to pay him. So um, I think people are starting to figure out that part of it a little bit, boosters and donors and, and the kids are kind of probably realizing that there's not as much there as they originally thought, or, you know, the, the incentive to go is, is less than maybe they thought. But, you know, for me, 
it's more, um, you know, where coaches leave and they take half the team with them or, uh, eight mm-hmm. or 10 players. And, yeah. you know, there's, there's gotta be like prior contact and, and some rules enforced, um, that, that kind of prevent that happening, you know, with the guy taking six or eight guys with them and, and Deion Sanders, you know, bringing in <laughs> six or seven guys from his team and, and, uh, forcing other kids on the team to leave at that time. So it's, uh, it's kind of the wild, wild West, but, um, you know, something's got to be done to kind of rein it in a little bit. And uh, a big part of it is, is you, the, uh, the red shirt part of it, you know, you look at coaches, I know the quarterback and the starting receiver at Houston a few years ago played the first four games. They were one in three and said, all right, we're done. We're going to transfer next year. So we're just going to, we're going to be done. And as a head coach, you know, you're, you're expected to win games and the pressure's on to be successful and, you know, guys, guys, livelihood, they're getting fired and, and things after seasons that they're kind of out of control, um, out of their control. Uh, you know, Dallin Holker, for example, I'm sure coaches were counting on him and, and, uh, it's his right to do those things. I'm not faulting him, but the system is kind of broken, you know, where, a kid can play the first four games and then decide to sit out the rest of the year. And now as coaches, you put all this time and energy in the spring and August practices and the kid quits and, and leaves on you. And, uh, and that's happening for a lot of, a lot of kids across the board. So, you know, maybe make the red shirt part. If you, if you, if you don't play, you can play in the last four games, you know, and, and that's your, your red shirt. But if you play game week one or anywhere week one through week six, that counts as a season and uh, you're not able to just go and quit on, on the team and, and leave coaches hanging. So it you know, the system's broken the way it is. They've got to figure it out. And, and then the transfer portal, we all know that's a mess. And a quarterback leaves one school, they bring in, you know, two from another. And uh, it's just, something's got to give here in the next couple of years or, or we're just in a free for all and everybody's open season every year. I, I like one of the things I took out of what you're saying. I took a lot out of that tie, but one of the things I didn't, I've never even thought about was perhaps um, if you play in games, so say you play four games and then you do exactly what you're saying. Oh, this isn't going how I thought I was going to go. I'm out. Then perhaps you shouldn't allow, be allowed to transfer without penalty. No. Maybe the one-year penalty should come back in. So, nope, you can't, tra- you can't shut it down after four and transfer Without penalty, so the old one-year penalty rule applies once you've played in games for that team. That would fix a lot of this because that's happening all the time. And I, I hate the thought that guys can play in a couple games and decide they're not getting the playing time, they're not being targeted enough, they're not whatever, and go. I'm just going to shut it down because I can only I have to make this decision yeah. before four games and I'm out now. Right. So I like that. Well, it, that's a great idea. It's like, you know, Drew Pine is he's the starting quarterback in Notre Dame, and now he's not going to play in the bowl game because he had to enter the portal before the the end of the season you know the technically the bowl game is part of the season and he's having to do that you know because uh that's the rule you know he's got to put himself out there if he's going to find another team and now he's out for the bowl game and and Notre Dame's out of starting quarterback you know BYU's out of backup quarterback with with Jacob Conover leaving and yeah. so the timing of it's terrible I don't I don't know who in the NCAA decided that too you know there's there's a lot of things they can fix and and make make a little more sense but even if you don't count it as a redshirt year and, and they still can leave without penalty, it, it, you know, that's okay, but it counts as a year of eligibility. And, yeah. and stay. 
they're taking it as a red shirt and and it doesn't even count so yeah that's a great point ty we are with ty detmer tonight and we're introducing the inaugural wise guys bowl game competition held annually each december between ty and us so before we uh, move into this, Ty, we want you to commit to coming back next December so we can rehash how we did. Does that make sense? All right. By, by the way, Dave, Dave's killing me um, in the season thing because Dave's like, this team's going to win. I'm like, yeah, I know they're going to win, but I really like that coach. So I'm going to root for them. So I pick the teams I'm rooting for, not who's going to win. And so he's killing that's, me. That's, that's the excuse I've heard every week, I'm gonna, Ty, But this here's the thing. On this deal... I'm going for, I'm going going for the teams it. are going to win. All right, so we have a, a handful of games. We're going to pick the winners. And then uh, the tiebreaker will be the score of the BYU-SMU game. And then we'll hold this document right. until next December. Um, and Ty, you're first. So let's start with the Alamo Bowl. Texas against Washington. Who do you got? Man, which players are not playing for either not team? Easy, no, you have to do your own research. <laughs> yeah, and trust me, we haven't done any of that research. We haven't done it either, so don't worry I'll, about it. I'll, you know, it's close to home. I'll take UT. Steve Sarkeesian. Got to vote for Steve. I'm going with Washington. Oh, you are? I just think their quarterback's pretty good. Uh, and, and they play without any of the pressure that Sark's got. And, and it's one of only a couple of teams in all the Pac-12 that are physical. So, But I'm, I'm going to go with Texas with Ty. So we, now we're in the Capital One Bowl. Clemson versus Tennessee. Who you got? Uh, I'm going Clemson. Okay. I'm going Clemson because uh, Tennessee's quarterback's hurt. Yeah. It, and that's Although exactly, Clemson hadn't been great this year. No, but but I agree with you. With Tennessee's starting quarterback there, they can score points on anybody, but without him, I'm going Clemson. Okay, Sugar Bowl, Alabama, Kansas State, the Big 12 champs. Oof, I'm going Alabama. Yeah, I'm Bama too. Okay, I like Alabama. I like their quarterback. Uh, all right, TCU, Michigan. Fiesta Bowl. Oh, boy. That's a tough one. I, I think Michigan's a better all-around team. I'll go with Michigan. I like Max Duggan, though. Good kid. Yeah, he's, he, is a, he is a player. Do um, you know what? I No, I got to go with Michigan. I, I think Jim Harp. I think they're so good defensively. They're going to be one of the few teams that can slow TCU down. Yeah, I think I think what they after they destroyed Ohio State, I just think they got plus yep. TCU's coming off that loss. Hey Ty, do you think TCU should have still gotten in there or do you think Alabama should have gone head to head Alabama TCU? Who do you think's a better team? Man, that would be a good game cuz TCU's fast on defense. They can match speed, I think. Um that would be a really good game. So I don't know. That's, I'm glad TCU still got in, only being a one-loss team and in overtime and a conference championship. Um, I was glad um, Sonny Dykes was able to get in there and yep. stay in. I like yeah. it. Okay, uh, the Peach Bowl, Ohio State and Georgia. Georgia, they're dominant. Yeah, I got Georgia, the best defense in all of football the last three years. Listen, we got to come up with some different picks. Okay. I, but there's no reason to get well, back well, together for see, next let's December. See, let's see how the Rose Bowl – well, Ty and I took – Texas, you took Washington. That's, That's the one thing. So let's see if we pick different on the Rose Bowl. We got right. Penn State and, and Utah. Uh, Utah. I will take Penn State because they Utah just we just found out today that their uh, Kincaid, their tight end, is not playing. 
No. So I don't know who they're going to throw it to. And their corner, and their all all American corners not going to yeah, play. Yeah, and, and Clark Clark's not playing. That's but the only one we did some research on. Witt finds a way, but I'm going Penn State too because I haven't picked Utah a single week. So there we this go. Year. Now now it will not be a tie because <laughs> because if you take Penn State, so there we go. Now here's the tiebreaker in the event that something crazy happens. Um, what do you think the score is going to be? Saturday in the New Mexico Bowl with the Cougs and, and Mustangs. Yeah, BYU-SMU. What's your score? 38-35 BYU. Woo. Okay, I'm going 41-34 BYU. I'm going to go... Uh, man. And by the way, our SMU's receiver that leads the nation in receiving, he's opted out. He's not playing. So you got- Insider information. This isn't fair. Yeah, the Rice kid, who's phenomenal, by the way. I mean, they figure out ways to, with motion and formations, to get him one on one, and nobody can cover him one on one in the country. They, they've, uh, he just announced uh, via Twitter that that he just played his last game and he's getting ready for the draft, so he's not playing. The Rice kid. I'm gonna go okay. forty to thirty-seven for BYU. So now that we gave Ty that information, do you want to change your score? No, I okay. still, I okay, still like it. Okay. okay, so, um, all right, we're locked in uh, with our bowl contest. So, really, the only game you got to pay attention to, Ty, is the Rose Bowl and, <laughs> and, and the Alamo, Alamo Bowl. Texas and Washington, yeah, because right we all have the other same right picks. Right there so. in Texas. So, we gotta do, we got to do five questions with Ty, though. All right, five quick questions, and then we'll let you uh, get back to your December vacation down there. It's not a vacation. He's working on the ranch. Are you That's working right. or are you on vacation? Well, I've got some groups of hunters coming in before Christmas and then a few after the New Year. So it'll be a little bit of work and a little bit of play. <laughs> hey, Ty, did you see the crazy pictures of the hunt that Kent and Blair went on? I did not. Oh, I'm going to send you some pictures. They, yeah. They went over I, to Kazakhstan. They went to Kazakhstan and hunted like uh, two animals uh, I've never even heard of in my life. Like that, So I, I'll, I'll have to... Marco. Polo, the Marco Polo Ram. Yeah, they got a Marco Polo Ram and two some other things. I don't even know what they were. Uh, yeah. But but I'll, I'll send you some pictures. That was crazy. The, oh. By the way, Ty and I were kind of like family because my in-laws are the Fries, and Ty's been in some ventures with the Fry family, and and and, and Ty's daughters stayed with them down. I, like, we're just – by the way, I love Ty's whole family, by the way, and his daughters are awesome. So I love Kim, too. It's it's. We're, we're so. kind. Ty and I are sort of like family. So that was a lot of sucking up yeah. right there, Ty, yeah. at the, the no, end of he, our show. Ty knows it's true. That's all there <laughs> is to it. All right, five quick questions. Favorite sports movie? Uh, Longest Yard. <laughs> nice. Which version? Wait, the old one or the new one? The, the old, old one with Burt Reynolds. Yes. The Adam Sandler one wasn't quite that. I like <laughs> yeah, that old okay. one. Okay. Favorite yeah. singer or band? Uh, George Strait. <laughs> I kind I kind of knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. Um, the king. Favorite breakfast cereal. Uh, you know, that's a tough one. I've got uh, Reese's peanut butter puffs in the fr- in the pantry right now. <laughs> that is awesome because we we make fun of anybody that eats healthy cereal. Just so you know, and so that's good. Yeah. Just Reese's peanut butter that's puffs. Me. Ty, how many former Heisman Trophy winners do you think have Reese's peanut butter puffs in the pantry? <laughs> I'm hoping there's at least one, but George <laughs> Rogers might. He looks like he might have some. I think, I think you're right on that one. Okay, your favorite Brett Favre memory when you play with Brett? Uh, well, there's a few you can't tell on air. <laughs> we we did we went hunting one time, and he wore, like, sweatpants and tennis shoes. He was from Mississippi and talked like he'd been hunting a lot. Well, <laughs> oh, no. Yes, there 
their hunting down there was a little different than our hunting. So he, he, the deer ran by him. He thought it was a dog. He was kind of a fish <laughs> out of water at that time, but he's gotten better. So <laughs> very good. What's your favorite place to hunt in the world? Uh, well, really anywhere. I mean, obviously the ranch is special. It's kind of my happy place down here. I go to Iowa with Rocky Beagle about every other year. Um, so, and then, I mean, I've hunted in the mountains up there in Utah and that was a lot of fun. So I just, I mean, anywhere for anything, I just like being out. What about over in Africa? Have you ever been out there? I've never been. I've, I want to go and I've kind of tentatively talked about a trip with a buddy and, and maybe next summer or the following summer. I don't know. Things get busy with coaching football now and it's hard to break away for a couple of weeks to go there in the summer. Have, have you ever been over to the Himalayas um, and some of those crazy hunts over there? Like hunting no. an alpaca or something? No, no. They hunt the, what's that thing called, Ty, that you just said? The Marco Polo Ram and some of these really exotic. Tar and all kinds. Yeah, of have you ever stuff. done any of that crazy stuff? No, mainly stayed in the in the U.S. So, um, so western part. I don't know. Hunted in New Jersey and Delaware when I was with the Eagles. So, kind of bounce around a little bit. Ty, Ty one time told me. By the way, I was like, if I want to bring my guys down, like a bunch of my team down, what should we hunt? And, and Ty told me we should come down at night and hunt boars with like night vision glasses and all that kind of stuff on you still, you still stand by that, that that would be fun. That would be fun. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, uh, pretty entertaining with the night vision and some of that. I've had a few guys come down. I don't have any of it, but it's always fun when they bring it down. There you go. We got an issue with wild turkeys in our neighborhood and I'm going to let the board know that I know a guy, if it comes to that, and then I'll text you, take care text you, you take care when you're coming up. You hey, give our best to Kim and everybody. Thanks for so much for joining our show. And we wish you happy holidays. And and uh, and we salute you with how you represent BYU and, and everything you do. Well, I appreciate it. You guys have a great Christmas and New Year's. And appreciate you having me on. Always fun. Thanks, Ty. Ty Detmer, Heisman Trophy winner and and one of our favorites. And just, uh, just the poster boy of... Um, of what you can become at BYU. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's just all that stuff. great representative and one of the greatest football players in the history of the game. Like Heisman Trophy winner and what he did in those years with BYU um, was phenomenal. It seems to me, though, Fearless. Th- that he would have more fun with those night goggles on hunting boars than beating number one Miami. No, I, Because I, that what? is he his might, wheelhouse. He might like that better. <laughs> he might like that better. I'm not kidding. Night vision hunting boars. I, I, can, I can imagine. Well, it. you can even do it in a helicopter. He was like, I, I, I don't have any of that stuff, but I can, I can hook you up. <laughs> so. All right. Thanks. That, that was awesome. Ty and David Almodova and Mark Durant. A spectacular yeah, a show night. tonight. A couple of uh, Cougars in the NFL notes. A day in history and then and we've got an awesome quote uh, from from Mike Leach about Lavelle that we'll finish out with. Yep. Let's start start with Thursday. Don't forget to catch Fred Warner against the Seahawks on Thursday. They night destroyed football. Tom Brady on Sunday. Hey, how about Tom Brady's comments to Fred after the game? Did you see those guys mic'd up? And yeah, it was just like you're a great player, and, and I love watching you. Tom Brady told Fred Warner, "I love watching you." And Fred after Warner's, Fred haunted him for yeah, four and, quarters, and Fred's like, "Well, hey, by the way, I've." Loved watching you my whole life, by the way. <laughs> so was a pr- that was a pretty cool interaction between Fred Warder and Tom Brady, the greatest of all time. So. Falcons and Saints are coming off their bye week. Tyler Algier meeting up with Taysom Hill and Danny Sorensen. That'll be a fun reunion. Yep, and how about the Lions and Jamal Williams, who's just 
What an amazing year for the Lions and Jamal Williams. They're against the Jets and Zach Wilson. Um, hey, and you know what? The quarterback change's not working out so great for the Jets. No, not they keep losing. Games. Yeah, good and for And now them. the guy's banged up. Good it's for what them. They, they keep losing. Like, we're not rooting against them, but we are until Zach gets back in lineup. Absolutely. Because we've never, let's be honest, we've never cheered for the Jets No, we only cheer for them Zach. because Zach's there. That's it. Brady Christensen and the Panthers host the Steelers on Sunday. That's right. And Kyle Van Noy and Michael Davis with the Chargers hosting the Titans. Man, they were good the other on night. On Sunday, yeah. Van Noy was all over. So good. That game on Sunday night. The Giants uh, are at the Commanders with Dax Milne on Sunday. That's right. All right, December 13th in history. There's some interesting things uh, going on, and a lot has happened on this day. Yeah, December 13th is a big day. Right. So let's start with 1754 because we like to go back. Um, the first music store ever in America opens in Philadelphia. 1774 on this day, Paul Revere's ride, The British Are Coming. Have you ever gone to Boston and walked the yellow line? I've been to Boston, but I didn't, the red line? I didn't I walk I the line. I don't know what it is, but you walk this line through all the struggle. It's amazing. So um, 1979, Saudi Arabia raises crude oil to $24 a barrel. <laughs> 24 bucks. How could we ever afford that? Well, today it's 79. Wow. So, 1983, the highest scoring game in NBA history. Detroit beat Denver 186 to 184 in three overtimes. How does that even happen? I don't <laughs> even crazy. know. 1993, the Dow Jones hit a record. Listen to this now 3,764 43. Wow. Listen. Today. Um, and I have well, you know what? What did it? That's end? pretty close. But let's just like because when we last looked at it, yeah, today it was thirty four thousand one hundred eight. And the most important thing is, is that Stryker finished at two fifty three ninety five. <laughs> yes, it is. And I have, That's up thirty one. I have a few of those. Thirty one thousand points. Isn't that nuts? Two thousand on this day, Democrat Al Gore <laughs> concedes the presidential election to Republican George W. Bush. How about that? That was such a weird time. 2017. This is interesting. Prehistoric bones of a penguin as tall as a human were found in New Zealand. And no, it wasn't uh, the co-star in Batman. No, that's a big Can penguin. you imagine? You're just that's walking around and here penguin. comes a penguin as that, big as that you? That penguin will smack you down. Even with his little <laughs> flipper arms, he will smack you down. Man. So, Penguins about, roam the earth the size of humans. How about December 13th birthdays? 1818, Mary Todd Lincoln. Yep. That's Abe's wife. How about 1925, Dick Van Dyke? He's, he's, he's alive. He's 96. I saw a little clip of him singing Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> he, I was just looking at some clips of him the other day. I, I have so, he is such an amazing entertainer. Yeah. So I so love good. I love his little one um, about Hushabye Mountain that he sings to the kids when they're going to sleep in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah. So a How about in breeze. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, the um, the child snatcher? Didn't that scare you? Oh, that guy was one of the scariest villains of all time. I'm not going to deny it. So Dick Van Dyke, happy birthday. Yep. 1967, Jamie Foxx. In 1989, Taylor Swift. She doesn't have any talent. No. no. It's not going to work out for talent. I can't believe she was born in 1989. I know. Don't seems even like get, yesterday. She seems older than that, but, you know, and we seem younger than that. But yeah, we, we act younger than that. So, and we finish with this, right? Here's what Mike Leach told the Deseret News years ago about Lavelle Edwards. He said, he's easily one of the greatest coaches that ever coached. I think that's indisputable. I know him a little. I'd like to know him a lot better. He's a guy that never overreacted, didn't panic. He trusted good people to do things. In the end, it was a product of an environment of trust and focus. Football-wise, it's very hard to imagine what BYU would be like without Lavelle Edwards and also football in America. 
what it would be like without Lavelle Edwards. I'm not the only person that Lavelle Edwards influenced on throwing the football. Two great men, great coaches, great innovators. And now they can get back together and compare notes oh, as yeah, Mike Leach has passed they away. Will. Podcast will be up tomorrow. Please share it with your friends. Next week, it's me and Blaine and uh, BYU Basketball Night. So we'll be on here in a little bit different kind of a format. Two weeks from tonight, Danny Ainge. Looking yep. forward to that. That'll be really fun. Don't forget to watch us on Thursday night uh, with BYU Basketball and BYU TV. You have to watch that because you have no idea which team's going to show That's right. up. And then, yeah, they may be the team that knocks down 19 threes or it may be the team that can't make a shot. And then Saturday night, we're on uh, game, day, game day, 3.30 Mountain Time, two right. hours uh, leading up to the New Mexico Bowl and then the live postgame show. And who knows, sooner than later, we're going to get this Big 12 football schedule. Uh, hopefully, maybe we'll have it by game day. How about I that? I hope so. And then we'll and have you know to what? break it down if, next week. If we week. have it before that, we may do a quick live, live stream. So, yeah. But don't forget, join us Thursday night. We'll see you Thursday night. For Blaine Fowler, I'm Dave McCann. Thank you for uh, watching The Wise Guys. Share it with your friends. And uh, we're, we're just going to do this for a long, long time. Happy holidays. See you Thursday. And next week. Yeah. And Saturday. And Saturday. We'll see you all the time. Thank you.